There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to deck.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. All right, everybody, super special guest. Singer-songwriter, Dustin Huff, who also might be known. You like that? Yeah. Just playing up the singer-songwriter part. (laughs) Who happens to have, who happens to be the new typical white tail record holder. Yep. (laughs) Got to get lucky sometimes. (laughs) Dude. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's been nuts, man. This past six months has been crazy. Here you are sitting with a Huff Buck t-shirt on. You're like officially Never. like a dude with a buck named after <laughs> Never him. Never thought that deer hunting would turn into a business. <laughs> uh, we uh, like you're, you're friends with Luke Combs. Yep. And Luke contacted me one night, texted me one night, being like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, you guys thought it was a state record. Yeah, we just thought it was state. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he called me at two in the morning the <laughs> night I killed it. I assume he was getting on bus call after a tour, and I had sent it the picture to uh, Ray Fulcher, one of our buddies that we used to tour with, and he still tours with Luke. And uh, I sent Ray that picture of the deer because I didn't post it that night. I just tweeted, I think I killed the Indiana State record. Now, okay, we're going to get into this whole story. Okay. But how did you think <laughs> – no, but real quick, 
Why did you think it was that? Just because someone rough scored it? Yeah, I had a buddy come over that that evening after I killed and it. And he undershot it? Yeah. <laughs> that's, yep. that's a good friend. Yeah, he had like 213, which he had never scored. He, it was like his first time scoring, you know, a big deer. <laughs> and what did it come in at? 213 is what he had. But yeah, so he overshot it, no, no, no. That's what he had. It was two eleven and four eighths net, two sixteen and four or two sixteen and two eighths gross. Oh, okay. So yeah. So he all right. So he overshot the actual. Yeah. But how did you not immediately realize because you didn't look at national, you just looked at Indiana. I just looked at Indiana. I Googled Indiana State record because I had never looked at <laughs> world records or anything. Yeah, you felt like distinctly Indiana. Yeah, I was like, Well, hell, this might be Indiana, but And it crushed it, right? Yeah, by like eight. 10 inches or something. Damn. 10, maybe even more. So the only typical whitetail bigger out there is in Canada. Canada. The Hanson. Hanson buck. Yep. If you want to know what the Hanson buck looks like, go look at Pat Durkin's truck. <laughs> He's got a decal of it on his truck. Does he need a huff buck one? You do. You Definitely. need to get, as part of your, <laughs> as part of your business plan, <laughs> you need to get uh, huff buck stickers. That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, get on that. Um, You got your guitar? No, we brought you a guitar. Yeah. I wish you had that whole damn deer head with you. I know. If I could have fit it on the plane, I would have brought it. <laughs> I'd like to see it. Show I me guess your I, hands. How big is it? I guess I could have <laughs> drove my Focus, my Ford Focus out here <laughs> all the way. I'm going to ask you a ton of questions about the whole story, but I got one question to ask you first. When you drew back on it, were nope. you thinking, damn, that's a big buck. Oh, I knew he was huge right whenever I first seen him in the creek. <laughs> he was facing me. I was just like, this is a 180-inch deer. That's all I was thinking because <laughs> I had never even seen a 150-inch deer, you know? To clarify, he killed it with a crossbow. Oh, yeah, it was did? a crossbow. Okay. Yeah. Got it. The good shot placement. Thank you. 40 yards. Killed it with a crossbow. Yep. Hmm. We'll talk about that. Yep. <laughs> yep. Dude wrote in from... Uh, West Valley City, Utah. Name is Braxton. There's a thing called a... There's a thing ba- happens to babies. Braxton Hicks. Or is that something that happens to women? No, no, no. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a woman thing. Yeah. That's, aren't those like the false contractions? Yeah, yeah if you're yeah. a lady out there... <laughs> the two of you listening. <laughs> oh, a lot of times people come up to me in airports. They'll be like... You know, I always like, it's just dudes that come up to me in airports, right? But then now and then a woman will come up to me in an airport and I'm like, awesome. And she'd be like, my <laughs> husband likes your show. <laughs> he was too scared to come up. That's him over there waving <laughs> sheepishly. <laughs> Taking pictures. Yeah, my <laughs> husband likes your show. Um, You ladies out there, how well, roughly how pregnant are you when you start having Braxton Hicks's? That's pretty, it's pretty close to the end. That's in like the eighth. Yeah, I mean, that's up to the finish line. So if you're sitting there listening to the show, and you're like, oh my God, I'm going into labor. You might just be having Braxton Hicks contractions. This dude's named Braxton, who I'm talking about. That's why I bring it up. He's a turkey hunter. Sounds like he might be a new turkey hunter. He might be an emerging turkey hunter. Because he says, first off, he's allergic to pollinating juniper trees. That's important to, to lay out. He says, in all of his turkey hunting, he's ever, he's only ever gotten one shot gobble off a turkey. And that was when he had a he was having a reaction 
to a juniper tree and sneezed and shot gobbled a bird 20 yards behind him. He started laughing so hard the bird got away. So if we ever redo our t-shirt of shit that makes turkey gobbles, is that even on there? Sneezes? I don't think it's, it's on, there. on there. Puking's on there. Really? <laughs> yeah, we had a guy puke up one. He just Ugh! got a shot gobble off. Oh. <laughs> Since I can't really turkey call, maybe th- those are the noises I should practice making when I'm walking around. Sonic booms, like, puke. Yeah, sonic Bleh! booms, puking, everything. The Chinook. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, sh- uh, twin rotor helicopters. Yanni, uh, can you recap your story about everything that's going on at your turkey farm? Like the whole thing. Because we got a lot of feedback about it. A lot of stories. Um, But but mostly about how uh, my hens got bred. That part of it. That and... And about how they come in the house looking for their eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just quick. What recap. about them getting eaten by predators? Whatever, all whatever you like. Yeah, whatever. All right. Well, do you know Yanni got predated by uh, his chickens got attacked by a martin. He's the only guy I know who had his chickens attacked by a martin. Yeah, and and turkeys, but the turkeys survived. My, they just lost quite a few. One lost a chunk of her upper beak, and then one, and she lost. I was a, wondering a, about that one hen that yeah. was missing. A she lost it to yeah. a martin, as far as we know. I'd like to have what a video of What are the other possibilities? Uh, well, his wife caught the Martin red-handed. You know, skunks are around, foxes. Fox, I think, does the most damage to us. Can I interrupt real quick? Mm-hmm. I'm reading the world's greatest book ever written called Black Range Tales. It's Carl Malcolm's book. Mm-hmm. I own a copy, too. Uh, we It's crazy because we were hunting in this area in New Mexico, and he said, man, you got to read Black Range Tales. Well, I can't give this detail away because it, ah, never mind. I'll tell you another thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> I almost gave away my hunt spot. Uh, <laughs> like, real specifically gave it away. But anyway. Now they're just going to go and read Black Range Tales and figure it out. So It's like the forest family. Uh, yeah, it, won't, it won't work like that. <laughs> so anyways, there's a dude in Black Range Tales. There's a miner who has, what, what was it? Like, you know how everybody used to have rheumatism all the time in the old days? Mountain men, miners, achy bones. They, they all had rheumatism. Arthritis, achy bones. Yeah. So one miner had come to another miner telling him, I need a big fat skunk in the book. And they actually, he tells the story how they wind up getting the skunk for him. He needs a big fat skunk and they get the skunk, but the skunk sprays him. Then they carry the skunk around and then they render its fat because you know how like snake oil, this miner believed that skunk fat rubbed on his joints would cure his rheumatism and it worked definitively he came back a while later and said it cleared up but the miner that got the skunk he knew that when you had rheumatism you he got on his horse this is in the 1880s he would get on his horse and ride to the hot springs and cure his rheumatism in the hot springs. I like his cure better. And mm-hmm. the mountain men would suffer horrib- <laughs> they would suffer horribly from it because they didn't have chest waders and they were beaver trapping in the water with just right. They they'd Yeah, how'd they do that? Because they'd know? wear they'd build they'd make buckskin pants that went to your upper knee and then they'd put wool de- there down just to add a little insulation. So when you see a, a picture of a free trapper and he's got the buckskin and then wool lowers. 
but they would they would get suffered in their knees from all that cold water. And the he was a placer miner, so they're working stream beds, and he would get rheumatism from just staying in the cold water all the time. You getting it yet? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you when I get it. It's very specific. If I stop and kneel in the snow and then walk down a steep hill, which you think wouldn't come up very often, but it does. Put my glasses I'll get you some. Stuff. Oh no, Yanni, tell your freaking turkey story. <laughs> well, last August, we received in the mail. I think we had to order twenty, and when they got there, I want to say that eighteen had made it. Uh, <laughs> so you open the box, and there's two dead turkeys in yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I think that that attrition is uh, expected. You know, they're su- they're like days old, and you know they just you know were shipped across the country wherever they. I think they came out of. Maybe your neck of the woods, Dustin, somewhere down around those parts. Not quite in the south, not quite in the Midwest. <laughs> Southeast. <laughs> <laughs> not quite the south. Right in the middle. <laughs> is there is there ice fishing? That's how we can well, tell. Oh, yeah. You, there is. Yeah, that is ice why. fishing where you live? Yeah. In Indiana? No, we go ice Southern fishing Indiana? all the time. Yeah. For how many months of the year? Month. Month or so. Farm oh. ponds, man. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but I, there's a thing called the Ranella Doctrine. <laughs> if you live in a state where they can ice fish, you don't live in the South. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess I'm North then. <laughs> oh, Yankee. Yep. Okay, yeah, I tell the Your story. accent just changed when you said that and realized <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> damn it. Gosh darn it. <laughs> when we were uh, when we were hunting with Luke, we were laughing about, uh, like, they were saying, hey, they were telling, Luke and his friends were asking us to do like, so do your Southern thing for us. And I was like, there's no way in the oh, world. <laughs> there's no way in the world. I'm going to tell you guys how we goof, like the voice we use oh, yeah. to goof on Southerners. Yeah. And they're like, well, we have the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> and he does it. And I'm like, no, you're not talking about Yankees. You're talking about people from Northern Wisconsin. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay, guy. Okay, guy. <laughs> two, two fillets per salmon. Big box. I'm like, hey, why do you do this on a northern accent? We're up in Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, guy. Big box. Uh the turkeys. Yep. So we uh we raised them up and uh Sold off, I don't know, sold off most of them. What'd you do with the dead ones in the box? Was It wasn't ceremonious, was it? No, okay. no. Uh, yeah, the garbage can, probably. <laughs> but uh, we raised them up and uh, sold off most of them. I think we were, my goal was to keep five, I think. Hold on a minute. Sold them as what? Just sold turkeys. Meat pe- turkeys? Well, whatever you want to do with them. How big were they when he sold them? Oh, geez. I don't know. Pretty good. I mean, like a big, like a fall polt, you know, like a bird that where you're like, she, it's almost heard about the size of it. Who are you selling them to? Yeah. We just wanted to kind of break even. I just put it out on Instagram and sold. I think we had Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) So you broadcast to a national audience. Yeah. And you know what? That was a mistake because a lot of people from far away were like, uh, so what would it take to get a couple in Southern Indiana? I'm like, bro, no, it's not happening. Okay. You can, if you can drive here, you can buy as many as you want. 
So yeah, it wasn't too hard. We I ended up selling them all to. I think there's some living in. Um, you know, I I think I told you I sold some to the daughter of. Um, gosh darn, I'm not going to remember his uh, name now. John, the turkey author that I was saying that we should have on the show mm-hmm. that lives with his daughter out by yep. like Three Forks Country now. They bought some, and uh, we did that deal right in the Costco parking lot. I just had a box of turkeys, put them in her truck, and she gave me some cash. <laughs> and uh, and then there's some living, I think, down uh, kind of like South Cottonwood at the mouth of Highlight. Huh, I was down there the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, unfortunately, uh, in the end, when I thought I had one, I wanted one to keep one Jake because we thought we would enjoy the Jake in the spring when he would gobble and strut around, you know? Yeah. And uh, turns out I can't sex them very well, even when they're, you know, five, six months old. And so I was left with a bunch of hens. And uh, we lost, I don't know, a few more. Anyways, we're down to two now, two hens. Uh, we lost some to a pine martin. Um, probably lost some. What happened is I was trying to teach them to roost in those fir trees, you know, right next to the uh, driveway there. And uh, so you're like, gather around, turkeys. No, we threw them up in there that one night. Yeah. <laughs> We'd throw or place one or two onto a limb, and then everybody else would be like, oh, okay, and psh, fly up. It was quite impressive to see. Mm-hmm. Um, the general flying of the turkeys that we got to watch while we had the big flock was cool. They'd climb way up that hill behind the house, and then when they were done on the hill, they wouldn't walk down, they'd all pitch. And then come swooping and dive bombing in and land right like at the garage or next to the garage. And to see like 15 turkeys do that together, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, but yeah, they they weren't smart about roosting. And no matter how many times I pitched them up there, they liked this fence. And the fence was maybe six feet tall. Mm-hmm. I guess that that is uh, low enough to the ground where a fox can jump up and get some part of them. Yep. And um, anywho... Uh, I had a day I came home. I'm getting to the part where the turkeys got into the house. Um, I come home. I go into the house, leave what we call the service door uh, open. It's just like the side door into the house. And uh, go back to the truck to go grab a few things, some groceries or whatever. And in this short little period of time, all five of our chickens and the two hands have gone into the kitchen and one hand has jumped up onto the countertop where the eggs are kept. And at this point, the, the turkey hens were laying eggs. And she is, with her beak, sort of fondling and rolling a turkey egg that's in a basket of eggs. And I can see that she is specifically working the turkey egg and not the chicken eggs that are around it. So I thought that was kind of interesting that she, like, walked into the house and literally within 30 seconds, like, knew exactly where the eggs were and then was able to pick out possibly her egg. Um, then another little interesting thing that we had happen was that, uh, some wild Jake's showed up a four pack originally. They're down to three now. Brody, they were there again, uh, last night and they actually roosted at the house last Brody night. Brody can't get Ooh. it done. Well, he just, you, he hasn't had time. Know. Huh? You didn't let me know last night. Well, it was late. Oh, okay. It was too late. Why don't you just move in over there for a while? <laughs> Set up a tent. <laughs> you and Hayden. <laughs> Set up a tent in the yard. Um... And uh, one day, uh, we're, uh, we're in the basement looking out the basement windows, and uh, all the, the Jakes are there, and our two hens are there. And uh, it's interesting because 
Jennifer thinks that our hens think that they're chickens. And when they see those wild jakes, they don't go, oh, you're one of us. They're like, what are you? Like, they, they literally could give a shit if those jakes are there strutting, gobbling, or whatever. Couldn't they? Give. Yeah, couldn't give a shit. They don't, they don't pay any attention to them whatsoever. Like, they want it so little that they wouldn't even give shit for it. Exactly. <laughs> but like one time- Like something you normally just want to get rid of, they wouldn't even give that for it. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> yeah. One time, I don't know if next to the house, everybody's got this where like the grass doesn't quite grow right up to the edge of your house and you qu- kind of sort of have a, like either a mud or a dirt or like a dusty dry kind of zone where the grass kind of quits before you hit like the concrete, no, you know? Well, uh, chickens and, hen- and turkeys will w- like to dust in that stuff. So I don't know if this hen was dusting or if she uh, actually laid down to get bread, but basically right outside the window, like right under our noses, uh, those four jakes bred what looked like bred her. And, uh, All four I, of them. Yeah, I, hard to say what, you know. Kids uh, like, those turkeys are fighting. Oh, no, no. I told my <laughs> girls, I said, listen, that if, when you guys talk about this, uh, use that word sexy and it's like super cute and all that, I said, that's what the boys are going to want to do to you right there. <laughs> <laughs> Getting it straight. Yeah. No. Dude, we talk about everything with our kids, man. Because they're hearing about it anyway at school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd rather From have- From Yanni's I, kids. I, I, I'd rather- <laughs> Well, what's going to happen, Susie, is you're going to lay down and some Oh, we dust. just lay it all out, man. And it's funny. You start laying something out for your kids that you think you're being a little ahead of the game to lay it out for them. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me something I don't I know. Heard, yeah. <laughs> oh, I heard at school that what happens is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, now, listen, while we're on the subject, no. That's not what happens. What happens is this, but they, there's nothing. You can't get ahead of anything. No. Not in public school. So we figured they may have or may not have gotten bread. We were going to then save the eggs and put them in an incubator, but uh, the more we researched it and and started messing around with it, or didn't mess around with it because it was just going to be a uh, a big investment to get into it and, and to get an incubator in time. Yeah, we kind of had them, then we were reading reviews on the incubators and the warmers. But, but you got to turn she, them. Why can't she just incubate her egg? We tried. And they're just uh, too dumb. They're yeah, they're just not into it. They don't know enough about Mm-mm. being turkeys. No. I don't know. I wonder if that's part of the problem they had when they used to try to reintroduce turkeys by putting out right. domestic, like like farm raised wild turkeys mm-hmm. that they could never pull it together. Yep. They didn't know how to avoid predators, they didn't know how to nest. And then they realized you gotta move wild turkeys to establish wild turkeys. That's right. Can I tell you two pieces of feedback? Yeah, please do. So one I like, it was a very long email that's all one sentence. <laughs> Is it really? Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's like, and then like I Cormac McCarthy it. would get lost <laughs> reading this That's sentence. Um, it's a great sentence. I can read it. But one guy wrote in a very similar experience to you, Yanni. He lives in the area. Hold on. Is this the sentence or not? No, no. There's two, two turkey letters mm-hmm. that, are, that are of note. The first one is not a single sentence. Got it. But he lives in an area northeast of Atlanta. They hadn't seen a wild turkey um, in 15 years. 
hold that thought for a minute. In the book, in Barry Lopez's book, Arctic Dreams, he talks about this phenomenon that happens where, you know what a fjord is? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a thing that will happen to whales, beluga whales now and then, where they'll be working the back of a fjord, and the fjord will freeze. Mm. And so, the, so, so much of the fjord freezes that they can't hold their breath long enough to get from the area they've kept open out to the open sea. So, so they've kept it open by their activities around. have kept it open, oh. and they'll be locked there. Hmm. Quite, it, can, it can be quite a group of them, and they just keep an area open, and they can't hold their breath long enough to get out from the ice. Okay, and the ice is too thick to break it. And when this happens, here's the the part that the mystery part of it. When this happens, polar bears just materialize there, and it's like, how in the world? And it was talking about this one time this happened in like. 13 polar bears wound up there. And they'd be like, how do they know? How uh, do they know this is going on? We're, we're, did, so do the whales die and then are on shore rotting? No, they keep a small area open. So there's these whales are just swimming around in a circle, alive, in the water, and they're and going down, show and they're up. coming up and breathing, and yeah. their activity, there's yep. a whole pod of them, yep. and they're able to keep a little breathing hole open. Mm-hmm. But they can't leave because they can't hold their breath long enough to Copy. get to other open water. And it's like this mystery that he gets I was into. just ruling out that there wasn't like a rotting whale carcass oh, no. that a bear could smell well, for Well, bears 10 are killing miles. it. But even like if you look at like the densities of bears, there's bears from... This isn't just ones that wander by. It's yeah. sort of like this mystery. Like how, does, like how does word get out? Are they that good at smelling? You know, or whatever. Hold that thought. Uh... Had no wild turkeys in 15 years. His old man had killed one 15 years earlier, and that was a rare sighting. He gets some hens. He goes out and buys some turkey hens, and bam. There's a strutter out breeding his hens. Mm -hmm. Like word gets out. He watched what hen got bred by the strutter and saved her eggs, and he's incubating those eggs. He hatched them. I think, well, according to that email. I ended up hatching off the majority of her eggs that she laid and had great success with the offspring in this breeding season. So, yeah, successfully he hatched the hybrids. I would have, I would like to you ask reach him out a to that fo- guy. follow-up His name's que- Slade. Follow-up question. Hell of a name. Is uh, if, if the offspring, yeah, if they were more... Like, did they tend to be more wild slash feral, or did they just follow the domestic mom around and become barnyard birds? Ready for the single sentence? Please. Oh, you know what? There's a period in here. Did someone go in and add periods? I rewrote the whole thing. Oh, Corinne. Oh, Corinne. Oh, Corinne. Oh, oh, Give me the original. Damn it. I want to hear the original. <laughs> oh, dude. It's a great sentence. <laughs> This might actually, be a new song. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think it's a sentence because it doesn't have a period at the end. Okay, so it's whatever you have. It's a passage. <laughs> Stream of consciousness. Oh, yeah, but it's great, though. Great. You have been talking a lot about turkeys on the podcast lately, so I thought I would share with you a pretty crazy story. I live near a creek. We say creek where I'm from. A creek is a sound a rusty door hinge makes. Anyway, moving on. Bear with me. Anyway, moving on. 
My wife thought a few turkeys added to the barnyard would be a good idea to eat what the horses, cows, and pigs leave behind, and we would eat them in the fall. So she brought home a tom and two hens she got from a friend. They were adults, and she thought she would just hatch them off and raise her own. Long story short, at one point, there was six jakes and two toms that came up from the creek to strut on the two hens, and that poor bastard Tommy was working his ass off to defend his two hens. He had been fighting so much, most of the feathers on his breast and legs was gone from being spurred off from the wild turkeys. I came home from work to find one of the hens dead. Didn't think much of it. Maybe she was sick or who knows. A few days later, I find the second hen dead with two or three of the wild jakes still breeding her even though she was dead. And old Tommy joined the dark side and was joining in. Period. There's a period. That was a sentence. That's how it ends. That looks like an accident. Though. No, that was one sentence. Like, I don't think he even meant to put that period yeah, there. Yeah, it, it's it not, continues. It continues because the next two words are the continuation. There's supposed to be an N instead of that period. He was joining in on the fun. Oh, sorry. So that's still the same sentence. Listen, this is not to, listen, here's the thing. This is not to dog on the person who wrote it because it's like everything I need to know is here. All the details, everything I need to know is here. You could have a guy who's real good with a period. Who could not? Who write would not be able to write this story? So this is nothing. No comment on that. It's great. Where to be a natural break? She was dead, and old Tommy joined the dark side and was joining in on the fun. Giannis was saying there might be more to the turkey that we have yet to learn. Talking about his hen rooting through the eggs on his counter, but nature, along with man, kinda can be pretty brutal. Can you imagine? Being bred to your death, pretty rough way to go. Thanks for all the good work and great educational entertainment. You got it. that last sentence. Yep. Is, <laughs> On the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> On the bright side, old Tommy was already half plucked for the roaster, and my brother and two of my younger cousins killed a couple nice toms that year right from the pasture. <laughs> Heartwarming story. Yeah. <laughs> That'd look good on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I'd buy it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be a great T-shirt. <laughs> we should get permission to see if we could print that out. <laughs> oh, dude, we got to do that. All right. Oh, you send that to Sam have... James. Tell him the word. Can you imagine out. being bred to death? Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Listen, send that to Sam James. We'd sell. I would wear that. Pile of those shirts. We got to get it on the back. Grin, can uh, can you manage this, Grin? Yep. Okay. Yep. I would, but I got to get my tomatoes in. Yeah, I'll do. So I'll here's here's what steps you need to take. Got it. Ask that gentleman if we can print it on a t shirt. Yep. He'll Permission. get a free t shirt. Mm-hmm. And then tell Sam we just need this worked up on a t shirt. Yep. If we don't Hel- do that, I'm thinking Helvetica. If we don't do that, we should do a graphic novel. Yeah. Hel- <laughs> <laughs> so either a t shirt or a graphic novel. Helvetica, a big block. Are you sure Helvetica? Whatever, whatever thing so looks we need good. The, yeah, because I think the font's... Not like a heavy metal font. Very It needs to be like, yeah. <laughs> it's a new Dustin Huff song, maybe. Yeah. Oh, Dude, you, you, put everything you put that to music? I could get a couple lines out of it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to sing us a song, right? If y'all want. Oh, shit, yeah, man. Are my... Uh, the way I write my initials in heavy metal style, like the way you like to say, do you think that's worth... We could just make our own... Yanni, we could call it Yanni's initial font. <laughs> Sorry, <clears throat> you always say. I just thought I just wrote my initials. Like, oh, no you, big deal. Yeah, when Yanni writes his initials, they're in a heavy metal font. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it takes to get like a font. Yeah, like create. Oh, you want to create? You want to like draw out the rest of the alphabet? Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. 
Here's a, a here's a question came in. This is a legit question. Uh, a hunter from Ontario, Canada, wrote in with a question that many folks may have. This is like, is that you editorializing there? What? Who's saying like many folks may have? Yeah, but that that's anything, you editorializing. Anything that's not italicized is me writing. Okay, so it's Corinne, and I, Corinne editorializing. <laughs> the question is this: He sees a lot of TV shows, such as ours. He points out. And other folks who shoot big game, and they'll they'll shoot it and then say they're going to leave it until tomorrow. And he's like, the way I was brought up, you're supposed to go get an animal no matter what, and at least gut it as soon as possible to save as much meat as possible. Am I wrong to think that way, and am I missing something, or is the carcass okay to be left overnight with the guts inside? Not knowing if you made a perfect lung or heart shot. I'm a meat hunter in Ontario, Canada. And this has come up a lot in hunting camp conversations. Uh, this is a great opportunity for everybody else that's here besides Dustin to introduce themselves and answer this quick question quickly. That way my dad will be happy. I like, uh, I like that. He'll still be a little upset that <laughs> it took to so Mark. long. I'm going to throw to Mark Kenyon. Okay. Mark Kenyon, why would someone say, best leave it till tomorrow? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, and it comes down to the fact that not every shot is a perfect lung or heart shot. So if you do have that perfect shot and you're very confident that deer is going down right away, then yeah, go get them. But if either from your best guess of where it hit or you actually saw where the hit was, if it was farther back, there's certain places where you might hit a deer with, with really a bow or a gun that's going to tell you that that deer might not die right away. And if you were to, let's say, hit that deer back towards the stomach or the intestines and then go chasing after that deer right away, He's probably not dead yet, and you're more than likely going to bump that deer and run it even farther away, in which case you might not recover that deer at all. So the idea behind Because it might not be bleeding by then. Yeah. So the idea is, many times a deer like that will bed down relatively quickly, but might not die for four or eight or ten hours. You know, that's, that's a worst case scenario, but that does happen. So in that case, wait that amount of time or wait till the next morning, and then that deer is probably going to be right where it bedded down at first and you will recover that deer. Now, if it's a hot day, you might lose some meat, and that's obviously a worst-case scenario, but it's better than not recovering the deer at all. And if you're hunting later in the year when it's cold out, many times that deer will be perfectly fine. You'll be able to recover all the meat. So I would always rather recover the deer and as much of the meat as you can versus zero, which is why you would wait in certain situations. I wouldn't do it, you know, all the time. I would only do it if you have to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Kenyon. Now, in 2019, Mark wrote an article for TheMedia.com called How Long Should You Wait to Blood Trail a Deer, where he lays out all the scenarios about, like, lungs, guts, stomach, etc. Introduce yourself, Spencer. This is Spencer New Uh, (laughs) And and Mark also pointed out in there what his uncle used to do in the 90s. Tell folks that approach. You want me to remind you? Oh, I I remember. Yeah. Uh, Took me a second. But he, he would always just, this was just to get a little bit of a wait. After he shot a deer, this was during gun season, he would always bring a cigar with him, and he'd smoke that victory cigar, and that would force him to wait half an hour. So at least he'd give it a little time. Yep. Because the, the temptation, a lot of times, is you're so excited, you want to get out there right away and go find it. But he'd always at least smoke that victory cigar, and then he knew, all right, I gave it time, now yep. I can go search. My old man was a firm believer. Like, had, like he, it, circumstances didn't matter. It was 45 minutes. You could walk over there, and it could look like someone had gone through the woods with a bucket of paint. <laughs> Forty-five minutes, yep. right? No matter you could you could have 
basically seen it stumble and fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just that was it. Uh, yeah, but see, that's the thing. Like, I had that happen this last fall. Like, stumbling, whirling around, does a couple circles, but then all of a sudden it looks like he's got his feet underneath him and he rolls over the horizon. There's lots of blood, but I'm like, you know what? You just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is a good rule. A friend of mine Unless was, you see him laying there with his tongue out, of yeah. course. A friend of mine was telling me a good story. He was just down fishing alligator gars, and he, a guy was describing to him how long, when your bobber goes down, how long to wait for you set the hook. And he said, you want to wait as long as it takes to smoke a whole cigarette. And my friend doesn't smoke. And he pointed out he doesn't know what that means because he doesn't smoke. And he said the guy got kind of irritated and said, I don't know, count to 100. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I feel like we're missing, uh, we're not answering his question completely. Well, I'm not done with the question. Oh, okay. Can I, can I uh, tell you what Mark specifically wrote in this article? Please. Heart did shot. I, did I write it better than I said it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, let, me lay, let me tell you what Mark says. Heart shot, recover right away. Double lung. Uh, 30 to 90 minutes, single lung or liver, uh, four to six hours, gut shot, eight to 12 hours. But yeah, but the deer would have to kind of yell out what he, what happened to it. <laughs> this is, this is if you can really be confident know. with where you saw the hit. Yeah. There's out. a lot of evidence on your arrow too, to tell yeah. you yeah, I got you. where you hit. Now, I think to, to even more fully answer this, if someone said, and, and I'll ask you, uh, Mark, have you ever in your life had someone know for a fact that the deer was dead and just out of <laughs> sheer laziness say, I'll go get it tomorrow? I couldn't think of a single person I've ever met. It's always, you want to get it right now. Yeah, that would just be someone being lazy and dumb. Yeah. Uh, I one time, late at night, killed a bull with my bow and... It was dusk, and it was in an area with a lot of grizzly bears and made a decision I'll regret, and we didn't want to open it up until the next day because we didn't want to open it up in the dark and let all that stink out. And, I mean, it was already, like, getting dark, and we were back in the pre-dawn darkness and had already lost the area around the ball joints and had lost the tenderloins on it. Yeah, I think. And I always saw I should have just lit a big fire, sucked it up, yep. and got it done. And I thought it was supposed to get cold that night, and then laying there for a few hours, we like we had to hike a couple miles back to our gear, laid there, and just like all night, I'm like, oh, it's not getting cold, it's not getting cold. Yeah. And went back and just felt like a dumbass. And I think even when it is cold, an animal like an elk, like they trap heat. Like mm-hmm. it, it could be 20 degrees out, and you're gonna lose meat. Yeah, because that heat's just trapped inside of them. Yeah, and it was just being like lazy and nervous and kind of like overwhelmed by the logistics of like how are we gonna go get all of our shit, and we'd be wandering around in the middle of the night and like just made a dumb right. Not something I'll do again. Brody's here. So you feel like we answered it thoroughly because there's that well, little. What part. the hell more is there to say? We, one thing that didn't get mentioned is okay. I th- I th- whatever you want to do, let me know when I can go on. I am I'm stepping I'm, out. I'm, we never t- like talked about when the animal was shot. Like it, this is like I'm assuming an animal that's shot right before dark. You talking Le- to me? I, I'm I'm asking. I'm out. 
Until oh, Yanni right. says it's time to move on. <laughs> you don't want to engage anymore? I want, I, 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 I'm just, I'm maybe you can clarify you. for me, because I don't, it said, no, the, I, I, the question is, <laughs> he sees a lot of, of TV shows such as ours and other folks who shoot big game with it being a far hike to retrieve the animal. Then they say, wait till tomorrow. Uh, what's the, explain to me what he's meaning by being a far hike to retrieve the animal and how that plays into the question. You follow me? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, see, I'm confused by the question and, and that part of the question. And you're asking me? Yeah, declare. It's, 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 that's well, why I'm it, asking if you felt like you answered it thoroughly. If you, if first of all, you have to understand the question. I think he's. I think he might be confusing two things. Okay. That's Got why. It. Did you see the little addendum? The addendum I did, mm-hmm. where I said to know that it's dead and just put it off till tomorrow, isn't a thing I'm aware of. And then I went on to cite a time when I did that mm-hmm. and what circumstances drove me to make that decision and pointed out that I had, in fact, regretted that decision. Yeah. Do you feel there's more to add? Well, it just it still just doesn't answer or clarify the part about like how it's like a far hike to retrieve the animal. But I, I think you're right. Oh, yeah, where, I don't know what he means where, by that. Where he's just like maybe... I don't know what he means by that. ...conflating two things. Yeah. But nobody else either has any idea what he's trying to say. Oh, like he's saying you did it because it was a far hike. He'll have to write back in again. Did you guys know that uh, Seth and Chester in the walleye tournament, their first walleye tournament, day one, uh, 75 boats. They finished day one, number seven. Oh. They were hoping to do top 20. They finished day one, number seven, their first ever walleye tournament. Fishing in their, they had their fishing in their Alumacraft. We, we did all that begging and pleading to get them a walleye boat. We got them a walleye boat from Alumacraft, so they're like a, like a, a sponsored by Alumacraft. Finished day one, number seven. Had a couple problems. Finished the tournament, number seventeen, out of seventy five boats, but still took a cash prize. Huh. Good. For how you. much that? How much was it? How much is four hundred bucks? To conservation. What are they what are they kicking that to? They gotta wait and see. They gotta wait and see how they do on the next ones. Mm-hmm. But those boys, first ever walleye tournament, finished day one, number seven, finished the tournament at number 17. Their goal is to finish top 20. Yeah, Seth said he lost a monster the second day that would have really Yeah, they would have pushed him up. Mm-hmm. So I'm for... stoked for him. That's so damn good. That's a hard body water fish, especially when you live like six hours away. Yeah. For them to roll up there and get 17th is Oh, awesome. I'm gonna tear that place a new one this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash 
Meat Eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Now, I've got two good buddies with what I would call really, really good waterfowl dogs and here's one of those buddies max not the dog but the buddy i've used that sport dog collar now in multiple different states u.s and canada different temperatures all the way to negative 20 degrees and it just doesn't stop working i'm a fan for life get 20 percent off your first purchase using code meat eater so go to www.sportdog.com slash meat eater to learn more Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day, and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you to get hydrated. doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures, Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick, it's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. Guy wrote in real riled up about uh, Bighorn National Forest in Wyoming. They're going to, they're looking to start charging for dispersed camping. This is uh, a, a solution brought forward two years ago by the, get this, Bighorn Mountains Coalition Dispersed Camping Task Force. Currently, the force requires campers to move at least five miles after 14 days in one location. This is just to prevent you from being cute, right? And moving into an area and then like moving to the other side of the valley, to the other side of the meadow and staying another 14 days and then moving back to the other side of the meadow and staying another 14 days. Currently, the forest requires campers to move at least five miles after 14 days in one location. However, many campers, trailers, and recreational vehicles are left on the mountain unoccupied for much longer than 14 days. I'm aware of this where, and I've, I've been guilty of this in the past, where let's say you're going to go camping for a weekend and you want some really cherry spot that you know about. 
you drive over on Wednesday and park the old camper, or you'll get to a spot and there's nothing there but an old tent. Mm. Like, no coolers, no water, like an old tent. And that dude's like basically like, my spot. Be back in a few days. So that's when I go about cleaning up the forest, you know, and just. That's when you clean up. Yeah. Like, oh, someone forgot an old. Yeah. However, many campers, trailers, and recreational vehicles are left on the mountain unoccupied for much longer than 14 days, which can cause frustration for other recreationalists who are following the rules and seeking a new place to camp every 14 days. One potential solution forwarded by the task force is the implementation of a yearly sticker all dispersed campers would have to purchase. The sticker would make it, as as these uh, personnel, Forest Service personnel are saying, the sticker would make it much easier to contact users who are violating the forest's 14-day rule. In addition, the forest is considering extending the 14-day stay order throughout the year. Currently, the order extends from June 1 through September 30. When I was turkey hunting recently up in the northwest corner of the state, I found where a dispersed camper had basically set up a community. I mean, they were there to stay uh, on national forest land. I imagine it looked like they had spent the entire winter there. The order extends June 1 through September 30, and campers can stay in one place for as long as they want outside of those four months. Bighorn National Forest is currently the only national forest without year-round limits on dispersed camping. Guy's real mad about it. He's mad about the fees they want to charge? Here's what he says is going on. The Bighorn National Forest plans to charge in order to disperse camp on public lands. This is an abuse of the fee program and a blatant shakedown of public landowners. Let folks know about this issue and encourage them to write to their centers before the Forest Service gets drunk on fees. Please don't use my name or email. I got I to gotta think on that one. Anyone got immediate? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. A $20 sticker you throw on there to go camping on National Forest? What's the, what's the big deal? Brody. I agree. I'm yeah. right I'm right there with you, Brody. I feel that uh, we take it for granted and yep. just because it's public land, we think that it should be just a free-for-all. Everything should be for free, but those roads that you drive in sure. on to access your public lands, well, guess what? They have to be maintained. And, and the people that do that need to be paid. It's not like the Forest Service is rolling in cash. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, did Carl Malcolm have a new truck when you guys saw him recently? Steve's not listening anymore. He's on to the next article. But oh, t- tell uh, me yeah, again. I'm, I, hey, I'm, 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 I'm here. Like my you. job is to keep the show rolling. <laughs> so I'm just looking ahead, thinking, and you guys can talk about what you need to talk about. Um, I wanna, we're going to get into this big ass whitetail in a minute here. Mark, what do you think? You wrote a whole book about how public lands are managed. Yeah, I, I think it's a hell of a deal. I think twenty bucks for a year worth of camping. That's pretty good. But now as good of a deal as zero. Yeah, but <laughs> true. You could say remains a hell of a deal. Man, I think it's not a bad idea that we'd be a little more invested in them, like you guys both said. There's a lot of there's a lot of cost to managing those places. Let's put our money where our mouths are. I think we there should add is, like later. a half a cent federal sales tax. Oh, I would support that. 
that would just directly directly go to all public land. I had to give a talk down in Florida the other day, and you know how everybody how it's become uh, to to use Tom McGuane's expression, it's become over Pittman Robertson has become over observed among hunters. Right, like every hunter on the planet now likes to point out Pittman Robertson contributions, which for people who've been hiding under living under a rock, um, there is a federal excise tax on all guns and ammo and other sporting goods equipment to the tune of about 13%. So, when you buy a gun or you buy any ammo, you're paying a 13% excise tax that goes to support wildlife conservation, and most of the money comes from recreational shooters. What is it, 70, 80% higher? Comes from recreational shooters. So a New Jersey cat lady who buys a pocket pistol is kicking into Pittman Robertson. She might also belong to PETA, but when she bought the pocket pistol, 13% of that money went to wildlife work. So I don't know what the hell it is. Someone tell me what it is. The overwhelming majority of the money is from recreational shooters, not hunters. Where was I going with this? Oh, I was pointing out when I gave a talk in Florida the other day about the future of hunting. I said, I invited the audience to ponder. Can you, as much as hunters like to celebrate Pittman Robertson, industry people celebrate Pittman Robertson, can you imagine what they would do to you today if you said, I got an idea. Right. Here's my idea. Every time you buy a gun and every time you buy ammo, Let's make it that there's a 13% federal tax on that purchase. It would never happen. And it'll go to wildlife habitat. Dude, they would they would hang you. Oh, dude, it would make... Uh, they would hang yeah. you. It, it, it would make the, uh, the deal that went down at the uh, country's capital not too long ago, it would make that look like a little rainbow gathering. Yeah. When they you would can see how... hang you for I, saying I think that. for so long, most people, hunters or recreational shooters didn't even know they were contributing that way you know it's just like a thing that became but now they love but we love to celebrate now i'm like okay how would you receive it being increased they would hang you yeah it just wouldn't happen well you're seeing it with the backpack tax ideas for you know backpackers hikers bikers the idea of doing a similar tax on that kind of gear and year after year that keeps getting shut down what about a duck stamp for public lands? Like that kind of oh, approach. They'd, they'd hang you. I would love it. If someone now came and said, hey, man, if you want to hunt ducks, you got to kick down. What is a duck stamp right now? 25, maybe? Yeah, if you want to hunt ducks, it's extra 25 bucks starting right now. All goes to the feds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you don't think that, like, not just for ducks, but for, for public land hunters in general. Oh, why, do, large... why would it have to be hunters? Why wouldn't it just be everyone who uses public lands? Well, I think it? that's even better. Yeah. But just because, because I think that because it's not just the money be the administrative, you yeah. know, the administrative stuff. Like, so for instance, my 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 wife likes to go hike the M. Okay. She'd also be like, Home, oh, I need to do what? All right. It'd be, it'd be like an administrative because you're you take like hunters are it's ingrained in hunters that there's like this whole regulatory structure. Right. And it's like everyone knows like you gotta go jump through all these hoops and and like dudes that ride their mountain bikes, they're sort of like blissfully unaware. They're blissfully unaware of all the shit everybody else has to do. Yeah. Right? Do you got to get a permit and pass these like classes? And if you can't, their heads would melt. Still a good idea. Sure. <laughs> I support it. I support it. 
I think if you buy a mountain bike, there should be every mountain bike and every trail shoes should have a 50% excise tax. 50? 50. <laughs> Big number, but. Any mountain bike. 50%. What about an e-bike? 75%. Yeah. 50%. <laughs> All right. The Huffbuck. First, first tell us how you got, how do you get into the music business? I left uh, my hometown when I was 19, two months after graduating high school, and packed the car, packed the truck up, and moved down. <laughs> to? Do what? You like moved to Nashville? Yeah. 19, didn't know a person down there. How old are you now? 27. And what happened when you did that? Where'd you go live? I just had a one-bedroom apartment, started playing open mics, uh, met some people, started writing, met Luke in 2015, two years after moving to town, and started going on the road with him, hanging with it, those guys, and rest is history. Dude, that makes you like America even more. It's crazy. <laughs> so you're obviously playing guitar and singing and doing all that stuff a good bit before you left town. What, and like, moved out, like when you were in, in your teenage years. I mean, I started playing guitar when I was 12. I uh, wrote my first song when I was 14. And How old were you when you killed your first deer? I was 12. 12 years old. Killed my first squirrel when I was 10. You didn't start playing guitar because of that. Mm -mm. But you killed a deer at 12 and started playing guitar. Yep. What was your subject matter? What do you mean? Like, subject. What was the sort of your theme of your music? Just life. Small town stuff. Girls. <laughs> Not hunting. Oh, yeah, hunting was in there, too. Trucks, hunting, fishing. Where's the guitar? Over there. Hand over the guitar, Kren. <laughs> I want you to just give us a little sample. Just so as we get into the story of this world record whitetail. What do you want? Just like a beginning of it? Whatever the hell. Ooh. Any song. Have you written a song about that buck yet? Uh, I have, but. Give us a little lick of that. I'll play one that. Oh, my. Yeah, this might be it. This is kind of... Have Phil help you get set up there. What do you need to do, Phil? Well, is he going to play a full song? No, right? he's going to give us a little teaser, yeah, and then we'll have a full song later. We don't need to mic him up. Oh, okay. Fancy, like, right now. This is just a teaser, ladies and gentlemen, so you know, like, the guy that killed the world record whitetail, typical whitetail, or sorry, national typical whitetail record. I should be fishing Somewhere on a boat floating suntan cold can chilling Reeling in a five-pound largemouth, good time grinning. Yeah, I should be fishing. Little teaser. Little teaser. So you learned in high school, packed yep. up, moved to Nashville. Were you surprised when all of a sudden you started to make it? I don't know about making it, but, I mean, it was just cool to be in that. Well, do you have a day job? No. I just play music full-time and write full-time. And... Well, I call that making it. Yeah, I guess so. But uh What you want what do you call making it? I don't know. <laughs> a number one. Yeah, but, a number but if one you're not, song if you, on the radio. Oh, so that's that's making that's it. That's making it for me. That's what I want. That's that's what you're shooting for. Yep. Well, I think there's like degrees of it, but I think if you can if you set out in the arts and you get to where you don't have to do anything else, yep. That's making it part one. I agree. Yeah. But you still hunted. Yep. And you still went hunting back home. Did you start, do you hunt more where you came from or more down in Nashville? Indiana. Yeah, that's where I'm at now. I, I moved down there, but then I moved back at like 24, and then I was just traveling back and forth, going every other week, every other two oh, weeks or you. so. So yeah, I live in Indiana now, but. Was that part of your plan to go back there once you kind of got a foot in the door? Uh, It always was. I just didn't know how soon I would, you know. 
I didn't know if it'd be 30, 35, 40. <laughs> you married? I got a girlfriend. How long you had a girlfriend for? Four years. And you couldn't get married to her? Oh, yeah. That's the that's the next step. What's her first name? McKaylee. Okay. Uh, what's the property you were hunting on? 185-acre hog farm. Same farm I killed my first squirrel on, where I killed my first deer. Used really? to used to vaccinate hogs on it when I was a kid. Who owns the farm? Big farmer. Uh, you shouldn't be saying that, man. Well, everybody already knows in my hometown, dude. There's already people. Well, there's a lot more people than your hometown. <laughs> yeah, to we're listen gonna bleep that. Can we bleep that? Out. Yeah, oh, yeah ask, give me a bleep. <laughs> at, his name's. <laughs> no, 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 don't What's even your say opinion? that. What's your opinion, Mark? Please, please. Absolutely not. Would you not say that? I uh, better say than sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah why, why and why are you guys uh, so adamant about this? Because OnX makes it so damn easy. Yanni, I could find your no, property I, in I, one minute from now if I wanted. No, I, I understand, but would you, uh, no, well, you'd have to know my wife's name. <laughs> but I do. But w- w- <laughs> That's what, true. What do you think's going to happen? Maybe, they, maybe they'll start, ed, they'll maybe start edge hunting some, it. Maybe there's yeah. some it's state land happening. like a quarter mile away. It's already happening. Maybe mm-hmm. the neighbor look, look, has look, his farm on the lease network. Our guest away in here because he's already having. He's already. This is already yeah, happening. I mean, people already know where it is. We're already finding he- deer with their heads cut off. I mean, right outside of this property. So people in our Shit. yeah, it's Stuff terrible. Leased it's, up around there. It's terrible. So yeah, I've already been in contact with DNR about it. I'm like, dude, we've already found three deer with their heads cut off after this. So. It's brutal. Like there are people that are, are who would be out shooting deer or moving over in that region at night. People's being like neighbors, there's gotta be another one. Neighbors around have been finding people on trail cams late at late at night. It's crazy. All Jeez. because of a deer. So in order to not add to that, Phil should bleep it out. Yeah, maybe we should bleep it out. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, this is a buddy be- year's place? It's my dad's one of my dad's best friends. And you grew up on that property. Yep. He did too, pretty much. I mean, once them two became buddies in high school, I mean, they were hunting together into their twenties, thirties, and whenever I came. And um, how how would you describe the property? I mean, they they raised some crops on it, or yeah, it's probably fifty fifty crops and timber. And what would be like a normal deer that gets killed there? Well, my biggest was one hundred thirty four inch that I killed in twenty twenty. Named him Larry. And did you guys feel like that was a big buck? Oh, that was like, oh my gosh, I was That's calling a nice my buck. Da- yeah, I was calling my dad, hey, you got to get off work, man. You got to come see this deer, you know. But his Where's big, your old man work? Uh, Decatur County Highway Department. Okay. And uh, But his biggest one, which was the biggest on the property, 153-inch. Oh, okay. Which was, I was a freshman whenever he killed that. Well, so, like, you know... Not, I mean, not even close to what you got, but I mean, like, there's, like good deer. Yeah, there's always good deer yeah, there, good but deer. I mean, our only rule is 15 inches wide. If he looks like he's 15 inches, you can shoot him. And then do, does the hog farmer hunt it too? He's got other properties that he farms, and he goes and hunts the cabin woods. It's just another another one down the road. How I mean, many guys are hunting that 180 that you hunt? Pretty much just me, my dad, and uh, my nephew Easton just got into it. Uh, he killed his first deer with me this past year, and uh, he's seven. So me, him, and then maybe two other guys on occasions, but pretty much just me and my dad. And do you guys run trail cameras out there? Mm-mm. Nope, I don't run trail cams. Because you just don't or because you don't? I used to in high school. Uh, just never really do no more. I just, I felt like when I was in high school, I'd always, I would always go to where that camera was. So I just decided I'm just going to go deer hunting. 
That's just kind of what I started doing. Does the property have some like historical tree stands that your dad hunted well, out at one time and now you hunt out of? Yeah. So like I I know the property like the back of my hand. So I just kind of where I've killed deer, seen deer, or where dad have killed has killed deer, seen deer, I just go put my climber up or I got four set stands on the property and just kind of mix it up. And you guys hunt you guys hunt gun season, archery season. Yeah. Did you used to hunt with a regular bow before you started hunting with a crossbow? Yeah. I Why'd my, you switch? Too gross on my shoulder. Still got them. Oh, okay. You want to fill them? <laughs> yeah. Where are they? One there, and then one right back here you can fill. What's that from? They just said I can get it cut out, but it's right on some nerves right there. Is but it like a, is it bone? It's, one's growing on the bone, the, the new one is, and that's, that's why I think I can't get a bow back no more, because sometimes it'll catch. Like I'll get, sometimes I'll be watching TV and my right arm will just go tingly. Oh. Yep. So can anybody hunt with a crossbow in Indiana or do you have to get like a doctor's permit? No, you can now. Yeah. So I bow hunted from 14 to like 23, 24, and then I bought a used $300 crossbow from my buddy. What kind of crossbow did you get? Uh, what the heck? It's striker. Striker crossbow. So I've been using that ever since. You got a nicer one since shooting that huff buck? I don't. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> There's an opportunity for someone out there. Stryker, hey, anybody, Stryker hasn't reached out, huh? I don't think they make them no more. Oh. I think they were made by Bowtech, but I don't think mm. they've, yeah, so. Huh. Yeah. They want to re- remake them, I guess. <laughs> now, do you hear, is there like a network of hunters in the area where you're hearing about what's going on? Of this deer? No, no, no. Like, like in the vicinity of this property. Yeah. Right? And we're in southeast? Yeah, Indiana. Southeast Indiana. In the vicinity of this property. Ha, like, and, and I know that you got like you got a 130s buck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your old man got a 150s buck. Yeah. What year did he get that? That was uh I was a freshman, so 2010. Okay. Maybe. Meanwhile, are you hearing like um, oh, Joe Blow on the next place over got a 190? Yeah, you hear stuff like that, but I mean, it's, you know, 150 inch, 160's pushing it. You're like, dang, he got 160 inch deer, you know, like, it's usually about 130 to 150 yep. is like the big deer. And has it gotten better through your lifetime, like so many places have? Yeah, I mean, it went for about two years after I graduated high school. It was pretty bad, like, because we just took a ton of deer off of it. Yeah, brown, it's down. Oh, when I was a yeah. kid, man, I was just, you know, whatever it was. And so I I actually let it go for about two years, and then I started hunting it again. Oh. And, yeah, so I was hunting my sister's property uh, a county over. She only just had letting a, some bucks live. Just I was just letting it because I wasn't seeing any deer. So I was just like, let's just let it go. Um, and then my nephew Easton started getting into it just this past year, and I was like, which I had hunted it the in 2020 and killed that 134, but that was the first year that I really started hunting it again was in 2020. So 2021 – Got back into it, hunting two weeks straight, just trying to beat my 134. And the first shooter that walked out was <laughs> Moose. So <laughs> on this on this uh, topic of how things have changed, a big change happened in Indiana. I mean, you probably know the date better than me, but maybe 10 years ago, 8, 9, 10 years ago, Indiana switched to a one-buck-a-year rule. Yep. So now all like of a sudden— No matter what. Well, yep. it was right before I started hunting. So when I was 12, it was one buck, one doe. And then it went to like one buck, two does. But before then, you could kill two bucks, I believe. That was before I was deer hunting, but, yep. So there have been a lot of talk about how much Indiana has bumped up in the record books and stuff like that since switching to that. It's become much more of a quote-unquote trophy destination. Yeah. Got it. 
because those bucks, a whole lot more people are thinking before shooting because they know they'll be done Yeah, if and they I, do. I Same know. thing in Kentucky. Instead of being like, I'm going to yeah. shoot the first one I see, yeah. and then with my second tag. Yeah, like in Michigan. I mean, yeah. you, you heard that a lot. So yeah. that was the first buck you saw. That was the first shooter I saw. Yeah. That. I was on day seven or eight, um, eight to ten hour days. Maybe I'm jumping ahead, but was you this... Are. <laughs> go, on, go on. I, no, I'm gonna say it was can like. You, can you wait for the for it to get ready for that? <laughs> Do you know what I'm gonna ask? No, go ahead. No, I'll wait. Well, is it on that line of thinking, or does it take us back a little bit? It's on the line of thinking of this buck. Like he said, it, he shot it. it. Was the first buck he saw. I have a question about that buck. Could have been asked and answered by now, huh? Can it wait? Yeah, <laughs> you're killing. We're just not to the buck yet. Well, I thought we were. He said it was the. Well, he jumped. He jumped. The gun. That was my I don't bad. want to correct right. him. I'm new. I'm new. Yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> okay, I'll hold on. The man's just a songwriter. You'll, you'll yeah. end up. What do ask, I do with my hands? You'll end up asking the same question. I bet. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt. I just want to like. Uh, but then you get all the glory for asking. No, no. Question. I want to ask. When we get to the deer, I'm not going <laughs> to ask anything. Sliding the note. <laughs> sliding the note. What What I'm trying to establish here is I'm trying to establish. Um. To what degree there's like a rumor around town or whatever about an absolute toad running around, people been seeing. I had never even heard about him. Whoa. Until after I killed him. That's really? what I was getting yep. at. No one at church is like, holy shit. Nope. And I don't know. Whatever church. they say they down were there. Pe- there was only two people that in my area, they came by the next day and was like, Start showing me trail cam pictures, videos, but then it oh, just oh, they be- secretly knew about it. Yeah, so that was they, my yeah, they weren't was my sharing follow-up. it with us, you know. Like they're oh, here's a 140 we've been after, but nobody knew about this deer. It had been pretty quiet. But I like think it, everybody knew about the deer, just no one's willing to tell anyone. Exactly. So you and, later and learned what, that people were some yes, people were aware of it for two to three years. Were aware of this deer, and I didn't even. See, they, but they weren't blabbing about it. Yeah, they weren't blabbing about it. Did it wasn't. And did they know that we're spending a lot of time on your place? No, they didn't know. I mean, they it was this deer was traveling so far, dude. It was it's crazy. He we got him confirmed eight miles. Whoa, yeah. Really? Did this buck have a name by other people? Yeah. So the guy eight miles, he had him as a Megatine Junior. Junior, there's a C yeah, here. So the, Megatine uh, yeah, Junior. Yeah. Apparently, five six years prior, there was a one ninety five that that guy killed that they believe was this the sire this genetics. So I don't know. Is Mark Kenyon calling... the guy? Is he the one who named it? The <laughs> no. Megatine Jr.? Mark is drunk. <laughs> He's like, Megatine. Best I got. <laughs> He's yep. like, Megatine Jr. Megatine Jr., yeah. So then I named him Moose uh, after I, well, actually, whenever I saw him come up the ridge, I was like, that's a freaking Moose, man. And then that's, it just stuck. Can, can, we, can we go back to the eight mile away guy? Yeah. Who's this guy? Uh, his name's you might want to bleep that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, give, give me a bleep there. And what's his story? Dustin, can I, if, if I were you, I wouldn't even be talking about my sister's property one county away. That's too Dude, specific. See, here's taste. the thing about I wouldn't me. even be I on this podcast. I don't, get too yeah. shook <laughs> I don't get too shook up about it. It's whatever. Mark's like, I got a piece of advice you. for you. This is a great time, I think, to bring up how Dustin is not the same hunter that Spencer and Mark are. Right. We, we need to talk about those differences and why these guys, like right now, their panties are literally in a wad. Because I'm saying <laughs> names. And you're over <laughs> here like, yeah, whatever, bro. Like, it's, it's all hard. good. It's Dustin's like, I'm a hunter. I got to fill the freezer. He got the bark. Yeah. It's like, shoot, I, 
I just go deer hunting. I love deer hunting. That's good. Yeah, so, like, awesome. is your apprehension based on the fact that people are just going to descend on this corner Everybody's, of Indiana? I work so and damn they hard to, like, find a property hunt that I'm really stoked on, whether it's public land or by permission or whatever, that I would not tell my wife, like, what I'm doing or, like, what property I'm on. Because that's, like, how We got a how guy like that, and he fell out of his tree is. and about died. Laid there for days. Because he didn't like to tell anyone where he hunts. Being his wife didn't even fishy. know. His wife didn't even know how to. Didn't have any idea where to say. He, when he never came home, she's like, "I don't know. He's out hunting. No this one knows where he goes." The stakes, the stakes are that high. <laughs> yeah, but this happens all the time. I mean, I'm sure it happens out west too. But locally in the Midwest, it happens to myself. I've got guys trying to lease stuff around me or lease stuff that I have access to for free. Yeah, they find out that you hunt there. They've seen what you've killed there, and all of a sudden it's gone. Or they. You hear from the landowner, well, I'm being offered $5,000 by this other guy. Oh, can, I, yeah. can I share something? Huh? A little behind the scenes. If he was like, if he, <laughs> let me tell a story. <laughs> I'm trying to make it quick. One night, like, here's advice for anyone with kids, anyone married with kids. If you want your wife to not be mad at you, take your kids to go do whatever you're going to do. No one ever got mad at a spouse who had took all the kids to do something. You're like bulletproof, except one night. Uh, me and my buddy Tony took all of our kids, so we had a shitload of kids, and we took them clan digging, and things got carried away, and we were gone way late on a school night. And I got on the phone driving and got yelled at, and then he got a call and got yelled at. And he said to me, um, if they, if, this is his quote, if we were the way they wanted us to be, they wouldn't like us. That's true. <laughs> My wife's like, yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but point being, if he was like like all like that, he wouldn't be on the show. Sure. Right. Because I would have been like just a, if he was a big buck blowhard. That's just, what, why this just is another like Spencer great. Mark. Yeah, just another <laughs> yeah. Spencer Mark. <laughs> like, uh, another one of them. <laughs> big yeah, deer like a there. big buck blowhard. I wouldn't have been like wanting to talk to him. I like big buck blowhards. What I'm saying, it wouldn't have been like I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been an entertaining story to me. Yeah, no, I get that. Are you jealous that he has a buck named after him now? No, I have a buck named after me. <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah. You never seen it? It's on my water bottle. I, I imagine. Oh, right. The buck I killed when you were off in the hospital. Oh, that was the one I helped you pack out. Yeah, a guy yeah, made yeah, a sticker, yeah, yeah. and it, it was called the Ronella buck. That's right. Heck yeah. That he made he made ass. a really nice decal. The kind that you like put the whole decal right. with the sticker it behind it on something, and then you wait a couple of minutes, rub it in, and then you peel that big plastic piece off, and the decal is just left. Well, Steve ran around with the whole thing on for a couple of years. Because <laughs> I didn't know that's what it was. like, hey, man, I mean, unless you're really trying to protect that decal, you know, you can peel that other part off and it'll look cooler. Did the decal... Did the no, decal... I tried to do it. It was too late. It kind of ruined the whole thing. Did the thing, decal right? have you, like, fidgeting with your belt and your pants? No. On there? Do you have my pants around my knees? No. <laughs> uh, the guy that was eight miles away, um, he was on to it. Yeah, so he came like three or four days after I killed this deer, and mm -hmm. I got a Facebook message from him and was like, hey, dude, this is going to be crazy, but I hunt over here. I'm pretty sure I was hunting that deer, you know, and I had already had a guy. I'm not going to say the name so we don't have to bleep it out. But <laughs> no, a, I, I a think J it's funny. Say the name and then fill <laughs> 
So this guy. You know, I'm writing all this down. I'm kind of a shark here. I no, got Phil Bill sell all this. Phil's going to go online and start selling unbleeped, uh, unbleeped, yeah. the unbleeped cut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been doing it for about two and a half years now, so it's nothing new. Yeah. New website pops up. Uh, where to find Huffbuck.com. Yeah. But, uh, so he come over the next day because he wanted to see this deer. He knew that that was the deer, you know. He had this deer, after talking to him, in his sights the year before as an 11-pointer, guessing him at about a 195. Really? 200 yards, free hand, couldn't pull the trigger. So he comes over and, oh, he just put his head down right when I open up that walk-in cooler. He just goes, that's him. <laughs> he goes, that's him. And I said, yeah. And then he starts showing me all the cams, you know, trail cam pics, videos. Really? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he had three years, two, three years of him. And then, like I said, three or four days later, come down. He's like 25 minutes away and uh, starts showing me from Moose as a three-and-a-half-year-old 10-pointer to an 11 and then into 12 when I killed him. No kid. He jumped from 175 to 195 to whenever I killed him. Do a lot of people have his sheds? One guy found a uh, match. Say his set. name. Say oh, his name. Uh, what is his name? <laughs> I don't even know his name. Oh, shoot. Bleep. I can't remember. But anyways, he brought him to the Indianapolis show uh, I had Moose at, and uh, he side by, He said, I found him side by side, and he had him scored there 197 with giving him a 20-inch spread. Huh. They were from the year before? That's from the year before. Wow. When yep. did you kill him? Was it during the rut? Yeah, it was November 4th. So he was, he was he was wandering a lot. He was, yeah, he was walking right through the woods. First man. week of November, yep. man. Uh, our buddy Clay, he's got a great story. This kind of shows one of the things that's cool about Clay is uh, he was after a big giant buck mm-hmm. in his neighborhood. And he lives in a, you know, like it's not like big ag areas, right? It's little chunks here and there. And um, it's hard to keep track of a deer, right? Yeah. But anyways, he, he's aware of a big giant buck and finds some of its sheds. And then he hears of a guy, right, mm-hmm. that got it. And he was like, ah, damn, you know, like the, the story's over, right? Yeah. But but Clay brought him and gave him the matching sheds. Damn. A couple sets of sheds. That's gave, pretty gave cool. Gave to the dude. Yeah. Damn. I has take, anybody brought? I, I, take it, anyone, I take it your buddy, that dude, didn't give you those sheds. No, I was, ho- <laughs> I was hoping I'd get them. You but. need to subtly suggest he listen to this episode so he hears that story. <laughs> yeah, gets a little guilty. Yep, I know. I, I've talked to him at the Indianapolis show, and he said there's too much people like wanting these sheds. So I was just like, you know, collectors and stuff. So I was just like, well, let me just make some replicas of them or something, you know. <laughs> Do you know the last time this buck was spotted by someone else, whether it was on trail camera or in yep, person, like how, how far he came to wind up in See how this is flowing, Brody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the question again? Yeah, how far did this buck like travel as of late before you killed him? Uh, well, I mean, so the only time that we have him confirmed at eight miles away is only December through February. That's the only time. And then on— oh, the- but no, I thought he had him. He had him in his sights. No, no, no. This is <laughs> who's adjacent to my, right beside my property <laughs> that I hunt. Oh, Eight, yeah. Hold it. The neighbor had him. The neighbor, yes, knew adja- about him. adjacent to my the woods. I and hunt. he didn't come tell you. Yeah, he hadn't. He didn't come till I, the next day after I killed it, and he saw pictures and goes, "That's him." Your own neighbor. Own neighbor. <laughs> no, he's a cool guy though. But uh, so when you see him, you're like, "Hey, what's going on, man? How's deer hunting been?" Oh. I'm... 
Well, I never really. We, we no, never, like you said, dude, we're chasing this 140. Look at this 140. Oh, yeah, that's, right. yeah, that's the thing. Monster. It's like, you know. You threw out a red herring. Yeah, man. but you, you, there was no 200-inch talk about any deer. Like, nobody knew about oh, it. Oh, if you I was your neighbor, I'd have been like, listen, there's a big 140. If you see yeah, him, you shoot see him because there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing bigger. Yeah. I would shoot him and then get out of the woods. <laughs> Don't hesitate. <laughs> get out of the woods and don't come back because that's it. Yeah. So why were you in this spot on this property? And like, why did that buck want to be there? What was he doing? So going back to pictures. So after that next day, brought some pictures over. And so his first daylight was October 17th. That was his first daylight he got of him. And that's whenever was like, I got to start taking work off. You know, like it's. This he guy saw him on a camera. Camera. Yes. On his, what? Do what? He saw him October. S- October 17th was his first daylight. Really? So then, so he's coming into the rut. He start, and he's like he's out starting in the to daytime. show up. Yeah, five and a half. You're always starting to show up in the daylight, and uh, so I come home. But you didn't know that. I did not know. Yeah. So I just come home. I always take off the last. I don't do nothing the last week of October and the first week of November. I go deer hunting. That's all I. You do. You don't write no songs. Well, I do it from a tree stand, but you just write them in your head. Yeah, I just get on my phone and write, but. Uh, You're not up there in like in the tethered saddle. With I, don't that have, I don't have I don't have a six string with me up there or anything. But so he was getting pics of him constantly. Twenty eighth, twenty ninth, thirtieth, October, and I shot him on November fourth. Huh. Pretty crazy. Did he? He never like had a close encounter or nope. No. Not it, the year before he did was that two hundred yards was the only time he saw him. So the, he had been getting pictures of him, but like I said, I didn't know about it. So I hunt that last week of November or last so week this of is October. A part, you're like a serious enough deer hunter where you're like, come the rut, I'm hitting oh, two yeah. weeks hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I deer hunt all, all the time. So um, the reason why I was there was I had I was on day seven or eight, and I, I got four set stands on that property. So my nephew killed. How far is this from your house? Okay. Yeah. So you don't need to go stay somewhere. You're just hunting. No, out. Yeah, you're no. hunting out of home. Yeah. So uh, I took my nephew out on Halloween because he killed his first doe in September, which was youth season. Mm-hmm. First deer he ever killed. First Faulty. time. First time ever going out. Put 25 grains of powder in a 50 cal and let him smoke one at 15 yards. So it's pretty cool. How old is he? Seven. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Man. So it was that's his first cool. time. So he's he's way ahead of yeah. way ahead of where I am. So uh, like I said, I've been hunting that whole week. That last week of October, uh, and on Halloween, I took Easton out again to, so he could kill his first buck. So he could have easily killed this deer because this was before I shot him. He could have been the guy. He could have been the guy. So I told him, like, right when we get in the stand, I said, uh, Easton, like, you're, you're buck hunting today. First buck comes by. And, he, you know, he's thinking, he just went to Bass Pro for the first time how many weeks ago, and he was like, hey, Dusty, hey, Uncle Dusty, wouldn't it be crazy if we— Killed a big buck and got it in Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> Literally said that. And I started laughing at him. I'm like, Easton, I'm like, that's not going to happen. I said, but first deer comes through with some, you know, horns on his head. You can shoot it. And he killed a five-pointer about 9 o'clock that, smor- that morning. And okay. I killed a doe right after. What, so What's a five-pointer? Is that a two-by-three or a five-by-five? Oh, yeah, Come had, on, Spence. He had, know that. It's a Michigan five. Yeah. He had one on one side, two on the other, and then two little. <laughs> yeah, it's Michigan five. I'm the the blank-by-blank blank crowd here. Just more specific helps out, folks. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, little, I've, I've I've switched to that, but come on. It was a little deer, <laughs> it, but it was his first buck, so it was pretty cool, you know. So I'm buck hunting. So four days later, I'm, I'm going through these four set stands, you know, just depending on when, how the weather is, and then. So you're being like 
you're being serious. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're playing the win and thinking yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. I don't get too clear the calendar, it, but it's like I I go deer hunting. Yeah. You know, it's just it's deer hunting. Are you using any cover scent? I use Heat Wave, Heat Wave cover scent. Calm, it's a calming scent. Heats it up to like 107 degrees and disperses. What do you think about that, Mark? It's pretty wild. <laughs> That's not my cup of tea, but teach their own. Now, hold on. I thought you were a nose Seems like it worked fella. pretty damn good. That's my thing. Hey, it's well, like, you can say he it had didn't... no idea I was there. I can't yeah. say it worked, but you can say it didn't That's hurt right. that bad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that evening, I just decided, like, I had been hitting those set stands pretty hard, you know, with Easton, and then I was hunting by myself, too. So I, I also got a climber that I got eighth grade year when I bought my first bow. <laughs> Still got it. <laughs> what kind uh, of climber? It's a Summit Viper. And, uh, did you get a new climber? No, I ain't got it. Oh, yeah, I did, actually. They did give me one. <laughs> they gave me two, actually. <laughs> so uh, anyways, that evening, I just I hunted till about noon, uh, till lunch that morning on November 4th, one of my set stands, same one where Easton killed the five-pointer out of. And uh, so that hunted till noon, went home, got lunch, came back. I didn't even know where I was going to go. What I, time did you get back up in there? About 3. Okay. It was about 3 o'clock was whenever I took the truck back. And I took my climber with me. I didn't even know where I was going to go. I just, I'm going to mix it up today. It was about 45, 50. It was a pretty warm day, 45, 50 degree day in November. And I was like, I'm just going to go to this west end of the farm. Like, I didn't even, I hadn't been back there in a while. And because, all those other sets are the east side, right? Yes. Yeah. All my other ones are on the east side. So th I usually leave the west side of the farm to the deer. You know, I just let the property lines about 100 yards from where I set up from uh property line. So, uh, yeah, th got up about 3 o'clock. That evening, you know, put my scent up, got my climber up, sawed off two limbs, and <laughs> within three and a half hours, I killed the biggest deer in the USA. Didn't see, <laughs> didn't, didn't see a deer all evening. Didn't see a deer all evening, and that was the first deer I seen. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. 
gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Now, I've got two good buddies with what I would call really, really good waterfowl dogs and here's one of those buddies max not the dog but the buddy i've used that sport dog collar now in multiple different states u.s and canada different temperatures all the way to negative 20 degrees and it just doesn't stop working i'm a fan for life get 20 percent off your first purchase using code meat eater so go to www.sportdog.com slash meat eater to learn more Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay, it's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app, and if you're giving an Aura as a gift. You can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so walk <laughs> me through the actual moment. How wait, wait, hold on, Brody. Is your question ready to come right up? We're coming yeah, up on it. Are we getting oh, no, close to no, it? You already asked it. I knew you would. <laughs> the rumors about the butt. Oh, okay. Like, did people. But I feel like you're leaving a lot out for these two whitetail nerds over here. Like, <laughs> there's no, like, funnel, oak flat. Like, Oh, yeah. You just go hang in the there. woods. <laughs> no. So, like, I'm up on an oak flat. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the acorns were dropping. Oh, yeah. What do you call those? Do what? <laughs> what do you call well, acorns? The things that grow on an the oak The acorn tree. patch. Acorns. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or oak patch. We say go up to the oak patch and, got you it. know. Um, so, yeah. Got up. 3.30, whatever. Didn't see a deer. And uh, it was about 6.30. Right. The, I'm talking right whenever the sun hit the horizon. But tell me more about your setup. What do you mean? What You're hunting You're hunting the oak. You're hunting in the yeah. oaks. Oak, I got, oak grove. I got a creek running about, and that's where I seen about 70 yards. Uh to my south or to my north, I mean, and then um, there's woods uh, all around. I mean, yep. and then about 300 yards back is the cornfield. I mean, it's just a huge ass cornfield. Like I said, it's 50 50 timber mm-hmm. and uh, crops. But Spencer's getting nervous. Too many. Yeah, details. he's like, oh, he's <laughs> like, oh. Had, you, had you ever climbed this tree in the past? Nope. This was the oh, first time awesome. I because I saw two limbs off going up. Like I had been around there before, but I never got up in this tree. Had you been up there that season? Uh-uh, no, I hadn't okay. been back here since so this, high school. So this story is is so, it's like a like an archetype of a hunting story. There's so many that go just like this. Yeah. Where either a new hunter or someone like in your situation where you always hunt one area, and then the first time you go to the one spot you never go to, 
the big buck yeah. gets killed. Because that big buck's like, I'll tell you one spot they never go to. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like there's, there's people who say like, how how come is it that like the new hunter that goes out for the first time ever shoots the big giant buck or the kid or whatever? And it's always because they would pick the place that all the pros would never go. Or mm-hmm. in this case, the one spot that for whatever reason you didn't go. Yeah. And that's yeah. where they the buck, gravitate towards. He hangs out there and doesn't see people in yeah, trees exactly. shooting arrows at him. Yeah. They figured exactly. it out. Did you mm-hmm. leave, was it like, te- can you say you never, you left it for the deer. So like, do you guys kind of treat it as the sanctuary? Like it's off limits most of the time? I mean, they're like, uh, one of our buddies, he goes back there and hunts it. But me, I just always just leave it over that way. Cause it's pretty thick that on the West side. So I just always leave that for the deer and, Stay on the east side, and that's where most of the funnels are, really. But back there is that oak flat, and then the property line. So here's is about my question: yards. You gonna hunt over there more often now in the future? I think I'm going to. <laughs> I think I'm going to. Uh, this, se- this, this season for sure. I'm, I'm gonna try it out. That east side's gonna get real good again. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, I'm gonna leave <laughs> it about a year or two off, and then go back in a year or two. See how it is. Okay. Well, the last question I'm gonna ask you in a little bit. Is um you realize it's all downhill from here? Oh, I know it. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I'll ask about that. So, so give me the moment. Oh shoot! So I'm talking. So right... you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, I got this, the song, second verse. Yep, right. I actually did write a song that week, <laughs> and uh, it's called "Country's a Good Thing." And uh, so I was just sitting there on my phone, texting my girlfriend, texting my dad. You know, no. Deer. What are you texting about? Just you know, no deer. You seen any deer? Nope. And I'm talking. And he texts you at dusk. Yeah, it's it's right as the freaking. I'm talking right. It's so crazy because right when the sun hit, like it, I got a text and I'm pulling my phone out and he said any deer and I'm about to text back and right whenever. What were you gonna text back? No like, deer. Just nothing yeah, seen. Nothing. Ain't seen a deer. And right as I'm about to text, I look to my left and I just see movement. And all I saw was these big ass antlers facing me with his head down, and uh, he put his head up, and that's when I went, oh my god, <laughs> that's a moose. And after I seen him, I didn't, you know, you're thinking. Where's this deer going to go? Is he? How far out is he? He's about 70 yards okay. when I first see him. And I'm just like, you know, I'm blacking out. I'm just shaking like crazy. You know, I'd never, I'm thinking 180, 170, 180 inch deer. Like nobody's going to believe this. And uh, he starts coming right to me. Is he feeding in the? No, he's just, he's just he's walking, walking through the woods, man. It was, it was where he's just moving saplings on his way by. I mean, it was crazy. Really? Yeah. yeah. And so. No clue. Not nervous. Had no idea. Had no Not idea. It. And you had good wind. A good wind and some good scent, <laughs> heat wave scent. So, uh, so anyways, um, I didn't even have time to range find him. So my range finder's in my pocket, but it's quick. Like from when he put his head up to me going, "Wow, this is the biggest deer I'd ever seen in my life." He's coming right up the ridge, and I mean, it's saplings all over the place. So I'm just like, "When do I? When am I going to shoot him?" So I just whistled at him when he was maybe forty. I was just guessing forty yards because it was a minute, minute and a half, two minutes. I don't even know. I blacked out, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I did, and I whistled at him, and he looked at me. Give me the me. whistle. Oh, okay. I went, like literally whistle. Yeah, just a little yeah. whistle, and he looks at me, and I can't shoot him. I mean, I'm just sitting there with my crossbow, and I can't. I got two saplings right in the boiler room, and I'm about to just throw up. Like, I'm just like, I can't shoot this deer. Like, do I gut shot him? No, I can't do that, you know? Like, that's stupid. And uh, I had maybe a yard. I was just like, man, if he takes one step, I think I can sneak one in there. And I let him take one more, and I whistled again. Went, whoosh, whoosh. And he took a second step instead of just that one. Was he looking up in the trees then? Yeah, he was. So he knew where the sound was coming yeah, from. Yeah, he knew. And right whenever he took that second step, I had a little sapling again. So I just had to go a hair to the left and just pulled the trigger quick. 
smoked him. He ran 50, 60 yards straight west, stopped, looked around. All I could see was the rack behind him, you know, and I'm seeing his they ass. They big like that, oh, too. Oh, man, it, that's uh. the biggest he looked. And uh, he stops about 50, 60 yards, looks around. I'm just going, go down, go down, baby. And then he starts doing the dance, flicking his tail. And I said, oh, yeah, he's dropping. And dropped fell back into the holler that it came from and I just went let's go <laughs> just I put my hands up shaking like crazy uh called my girlfriend McKaylee like I said I was on day seven eight so she's when you gonna be home you ain't gonna kill a big deer you know and I'm like <laughs> baby I gotta be out there to kill something bigger than my 134 you know I was just trying to beat that and when I sent her that picture she was like oh my god well when I called her I was like you don't even understand. Like I just smoked a 170, 180-inch deer, and she's just fired up about it because even though she doesn't really know, you know, like I'm just saying it's the biggest deer that I've ever seen, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then I called my dad right after, and I said, Pops, you're going to need to get a crew out here. I said, You're I still in the tree. I'm still in the tree. And he said, now take your time, Dust. He's like, I know you're shook up and you're worked up about it, but just – just wait to come down till we get there, which I did. I was already bringing down. <laughs> I was already, I already. Why did he want you to wait? Just because I was get... shook up. Oh, I was just I, shake. you could He's, tell you were. Yeah, he knew that I was. I mean, yeah, he I wanted was, you to be safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, I waited for them. I didn't go see the deer. I just took all my stuff up to the field edge. Like I said, it was about two, oh, three hundred yards. Oh man, that's some strong willpower. And there. the buck well, was I, only I, like seventy I yards away. I saw him go down, so I knew. But I wanted my dad and everybody to be there when we got up because yeah. I knew this was going to be. I didn't think you know, a state record or anything like that, but I just knew it was going to be probably the biggest deer that any of us have ever seen or going to kill. Not the biggest typical in USA history. Yeah, exactly. And he was just 70 yards from your tree stand, and you chose not to go look. He was, yes, 50, 60 yards. Not and even I, I watched him fall, and he went down in the hall, and I was just like, ugh. And I knew, like, I, uh, but I knew he was huge, but I didn't go look. I waited till, uh he's one of the boys of... uh He's got three boys. And the hog farmer. <laughs> hog farmer. They all come out. We've all had all Are you writing down Beef all these all, spots? Dude? Yeah, believe it all out. every single name gets come out <laughs> yeah. of his mouth. And so uh, they Phil, all come. Phil's going to develop software that just finds names. <laughs> yeah. Finds names and big buck stories and bleeps them out. <laughs> yeah. He'll just be able to sit back at home, let it all just do it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we got up on him and we're all just like in shock, really. You know, we're just looking around like high-fiving and just like, well, what's he going to score? And I'm just thinking... 180 you know and i'm and i said 185 was like that was me pushing i'm like he's maybe 185 and then uh. goes the property owner, he goes i'd say he's high 160s <laughs> and i said i said i think he's a little bigger than that man i said give him some credit <laughs> but you know we're just we're not guys that we don't put tape on deer we don't if they're, if they're close to 15 inches we shoot them it's just like yeah you know that's just how it is. So us trying to figure out how big this deer was was like, you know, whatever. So I got him out there in the woods and took six of us to get him out. Don't I was sure. going to ask, what, what was There's, his body like? Was he just... He a, was 300 is what we were... He's probably 230 field dress. So 300 on hoof is what we were guessing. It was me and six other guys. Oh, it's brutal. Did you actually weigh him to get 230? We didn't. We were just guessing. Just from deer we've killed prior, yeah. you know, um, just guessing them off that, but... Yeah, it was a. I had my shirt off by the time we got up to the field edge after dragging him because I was just I'm out of shape, and dragging deer shows you how bad out of shape you are. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we got him in the truck and uh, took him back to the house. And at this point, I have started to send like Snapchats, you know, to my buddies. <laughs> and I said, "Boys, like I killed a 180." And my buddy Blake and Byron, am I allowed to say their name? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're fine. They're, not, they're, they're just my friends, you know? <laughs> they're just my friends. They, and they come up, they're like, 
I said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to skin this deer out. You know, we do all our processing and stuff in the basement at the house. And uh, my buddy Blake said, put the knife down. Do not touch that deer. <laughs> he goes, I'm coming over. I'll be there in 15 minutes. To cape it, you mean? To cape it yeah. out, yeah. And we were going to cut the back straps out yeah. and everything, you know. And uh, so he comes over and he goes, that is not, that's a 200-inch deer. He goes, let me put a tape on it. Like, he he's never really, he's not a official scorer. Enough, but he but knew enough He to knew know. enough to where where to put it and how to, you know. Yeah. And we got the. Yanni you know, does all my scoring for yeah, me. Yeah, and we got the number and he goes, you're going to need to get this in a, like a safe, dude. I'm like, no, dude. I'm just like, no, dude. Like, and he goes, you're going to need to get pictures, like professional pictures of this deer. And I start laughing at him. I'm like, dude, I'm not calling up a photographer to get this a picture of me and this deer. Like, thought he was nuts. I thought he was nuts. He's like, I'm telling you, dude. So I called my photographer that I use for like my music and stuff. And I was like, hey, you want to come take a picture? This was the next morning. I was like, hey, I killed this deer uh, yesterday evening. You want to come take some pictures? My buddy said, like, this is going to be a big deal. And sure enough, <laughs> that's whenever the next day was whenever. Um, you called. Spencer called me. Yeah. Luke texted me, and I said, that's not my world. Yeah. But I know who he ought to talk to. Yeah. I guess I can kind of go into that night, too, after, like, because Luke called me at that, once I had said, like, after we, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, get into that. This part's funny. Yeah. So, like, after we knew kind of what we had, you know, me and my buddies and my dad were just downstairs drinking beers, like, damn, this is crazy. You what kind know? of beers you guys drink? Well, we had rolling. I took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> we, had, we had Rolling Rock that night. Oh, a good we Pennsylvania beer. Yeah, we were drinking yeah. Rolling Rock. Put a little Bloody night. Mary mix in there. Uh-uh. <laughs> I just I keep the white pale, you know, white ale, and um, so we're all just down there, and I couldn't sleep that night after they all left. Like I was just, I kept getting up and going checking on him, you know. Just, uh, <laughs> like, after, after my buddies were telling me, like, dude, this is a big deal. Like you're gonna need to get this in a safe, and I'm just like, shoot, I better like not go to sleep tonight. Like, what if? These pictures get out. You know, I didn't know. Yeah. And so uh, uh, about 2 o'clock at morning, I get that, that night is whenever I tweeted out. Like, it was just a tweet. Like, I couldn't sleep. I was just like, I think I killed the biggest deer in Indiana. Like, Indiana state record. And so I put no pictures, no nothing. And uh, Ray, I was telling you about Ray Fulcher, who he wrote, like, When It Rains, It Pours and stuff. Like, always torn with Luke and uh, been buddies for a while now. And... <clears throat> He texts me. He goes, he goes, oh, Huff. He calls me, oh, he goes, oh, Huff, now let me see this deer that you tweeted about. So I sent him two pictures. Right after I sent him, I'm in bed, and I get a call from Luke, Luke Combs. I'm like, shoot, go out into the kitchen. I'm like, what's up, Luke? How you doing, man? Ain't, it's been a while, you know? And he goes, bubs. He calls me bubs because I was always the youngest, you know, kid on whenever we go on tour and stuff. I was the opener, and I was always 21, 22. You know, I was just the, the young guy in the group, and he goes, bubs. You don't even realize what you did, did you? I said, oh, man, it's, it's huge, man. Ain't it? This is, is going to be a wall hanger, man. He goes, no. He goes, don't do anything. A wall He's, hanger. Yeah, he goes, don't do anything. He goes, I'm going to call somebody for you. And I said, all right, cool, man. I appreciate it. And then he called me again tomorrow, or the next day, and then Spencer called me right after. And then that's kind of how the story launched, I guess. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to uh... – like be a douchebag, but I'm uniquely. Su- <laughs> I don't want to be a douchebag. I'm uniquely suited to help out somebody like Dustin in this situation. Oh, I knew, and, and when I suggest, can I walk you through? I yeah. suggested Spencer because Spencer one pays attention to this, and Spencer knows what happens when people shoot big deer. Yeah, 
and like what the steps are. I used to work for North American And Whitetail. I told Spencer. Mm-hmm. I told Spencer. <laughs> did I warn you? I think I warned you. <laughs> I warned. Not to exploit him. Did I? Uh, uh, yeah, I think he did. Yeah. See that? Maybe, maybe. That was in one ear and out yeah, the other. Exactly. <laughs> Spencer was just like, big buck, big buck, big buck, big buck, big buck. I gotta go, Steve. Yeah. Gotta go. Gotta no. go this guy. Did Spencer do you right or do you wrong? He did me good. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah, well, uniquely suited to help someone like Dustin in this situation. I used to work with North American Whitetail, who is like the proprietor of, of big buck stories. They, yeah. they want to buy them for their cover uh, of their magazine. I, I've covered like world record deer in the past. I've talked to Bass Pro and Cabela's, some of the folks that have killed some of the biggest deer in the world about how they went through the selling process of their antlers to, to profit off of these situations. Um, and and I've, we've also covered like a lot of big bucks on our website and other places and like sort of the fallout from that, whether it's like uh, accusations of poaching or just like the, all the negative things that can come from that. Yep. So the next day, Dustin and I probably spent like an hour on the phone yep. talking about like, here's, here's the next steps uh, to like set you up to, to benefit and to get this thing legitimized. Yep. Yeah. The fat and skinny of it is. If you shoot a big old buck, call Spencer. <laughs> yeah. If you got a world record buck, <laughs> hit me up. I'd love to, I'd love to talk. <laughs> Coach me through it. He did too, man. Uh, the, you sold the deer. I did. Well, hold How? on. What was one of like the big? Uh, <laughs> Spencer spent an hour with him and gave him the whole thing, but we're not going to hear any of that. Like, yeah, what was? Give the me thing? one main takeaway. What was like the the th- one thing that Spencer said in that hour where you're like, man, that was a really a hot tip for me. Well, it's just I didn't know anything about the business side of deer hunting. I just I didn't even know there was deer shows or anything. Like, you go take a deer to a deer show or whatever. So like he was coaching me through like the magazines and interviews and this is you know what these go for, what a cover of a magazine, what this is. So I didn't know anything about that stuff. How long did it take before taxidermists started calling you? Oh, shoot. It was it was the next day once yeah. I posted it. Yep. Did uh did Spencer ballpark for you what someone might pay for that rack? Yeah. Was how close was he? He was right on it. Dead nuts. Yeah. Jeez, man. I can't That's... now I, I I realize you you probably can't you have like a, a non-disclosure. You it's, can't tell yeah, us. Can you tell us oh. if we it out though? Uh, can we just beep it out? <laughs> it's, oh, no, no, just, don't make him break contract. No, no but Spencer can. So you, they, when they, when the guys bought it from you, I don't know. I honestly don't know the number. When the guys bought it from you, you signed an NDA. I signed a bill of sale. No, but that's not an NDA. Yeah, but I we keep it. It's between me and him as an undisclosed like yeah. number. It was. It was you between, agreed not to. We talk agreed about the to value. not. Yeah, we agreed to not talk about. One, one can I ask the, you what you did with your money? Uh, it's in a very safe location. You buried it. <laughs> <laughs> he buried, buried it right under, under that, that tree. tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one record holder I talked to, Luke Brewster, I think has still the non-typical world record whitetail. Yeah. He had said he was offered $100,000 and he turned it down. He wouldn't tell me who it was. I asked him, like, could I have three guesses? And I got it on the second guess who the offer was from. Um, but once word had got out that he wasn't going to accept $100,000, nobody really bothered him anymore. There was another oh, guy. Okay, so all right. So I put an end to the bidding war. Yeah, there was another hey, what guy. What did Buck Bowden sell that huge moose for? I want to say it was sixties. Yeah. I remember forty or sixty. There was another guy who killed. I think it was the Louisiana or the Mississippi state record, non typical. Who had said he couldn't tell me again the details of what it exactly sold for, but he said that he had an offer of thirty thousand dollars. He was about to accept. 
but somebody came in at the last minute and made a better offer that included more money plus uh, more replicas that he ended up taking. So those, uh, Dustin can't tell us what the number would be, but something. Yeah, you, little... you, you can you have it, use your imagination. Did you get a replica? I got a replica. How many replicas? Uh, I can get, as I'm going to get the property owner one. Uh, How much get... does it cost to get one? 1500 Oh, I was going to say we should get one for the studio, but yeah. Yeah. We kind of blew all of our money on this uh, meat tester. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. And then the, the yeah, other money we had left, Crin blew yeah, it on this right, chest of the tester. <laughs> if that's, if that's tester. something that you're into and Dustin's into, we definitely need to have a replica of the Hoffbach. Yeah. 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 Oh, you know what we did buy? This, like, this actually. Did you guys hear about this? Spencer, I don't know yet. At auction, <laughs> what'd you pay for it, Spencer? At auction, we bought a eight foot punt gun. You finally got oh, one. We bought one about twenty grand, twenty thousand dollars. Holy, holy! holy can, you, can you fire We're it? Make a lot of money off this punt gun. Can we fire it? Oh yeah, that's what the whole thing's about. When's that party? We happen? have to make it's like a feature it's film eight, about oh, it. Yeah. An eight foot <laughs> long investment. He calculated it out to be a two gauge. Mm. It's estimated that it throws about one pound. Throws a pound of lead. A pound. Mm-hmm. For reference, a turkey load is like two ounces max. <laughs> oh, my. Eight-foot-long punt gun. You pull a string to make it go off. It just looks like a shotgun with a never-ending barrel on it. $20,000 $20, at auction, an H&H. H. We're going to make the oh world's best God. performing YouTube video of all time. My, oh, my. We're gonna, you know, remember Gallagher, how he used to like... <laughs> another, another 80s reference from Steve. So, That's actually you, modern for him. For you yeah. young whippersnappers, there used to be a comedian. He had two sticks. He had Watermelon. two sticks. He liked to toy with the English language. So he would be like, um, there is T-H-E-I-R. But there... Is T H E R E? What gives? That was like some of Gallagher's humor. And then he'd do that line of humor about why things are spelled the way they're spelled. And then he'd get out a big sledgehammer and he would smash fruit. Watermelons were big for him. <laughs> that was like when you went to see Gallagher, that's what you got. He was smashing around watermelons. He'd smash anything you think of. I smash. bet you Mark and uh, Spencer have no idea who you're well, talking about. Well, the crowd. <laughs> Sometimes he would put the, the fruit people, on a piano. Yeah, that people, was exciting. People in the know would bring plastic sheeting at a Gallagher concert. Mm-hmm. Okay. reason I bring up Gallagher is me and Spencer are going to take the shoot and all manner of stuff with our punt gun. I'm, I'm ready to see that. <laughs> I won the auction about 10 days ago. We hope it's going to be here in June. So, uh, Dustin, I got to ask you. So, anyways, um, uh, can I ask you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just putting a button on Is that. I don't know why I'm even talking yeah. about that. Uh, no. <laughs> oh. does, a, does a world record buck taste better than a run of the mill 130? Oh, yeah. Buck? What happened to all the meat? I've ate about four or five packages of it, of the back strap. Um, can you send us a chunk for a meat tester? Yeah. I'm going to oh, do, that's I'm great. Gonna do Hey, I'm actually going to do some. Uh, no, I'm actually going to do some jerky. How about jerky? Or you know, do you guys want? want we you guys just need want a little actual... chunk. We need okay. a little chunk of meat. Yeah, whole muscle. Yeah, and we'll tell you what we'll tenderness test it. Hey, so listen, then when you're telling it. people the stats, let's do it. You'll be able to be like, it scored this. Taste. Had a tenderness test of four point three. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Best tasted world class whitetail out there. <laughs> I'm getting backed up on questions. I feel like Stephen <laughs> Rayella right now. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm just listening from here on out. 
so you've eaten four or five packages. Are you savoring it? Are you valuing that meat as much as the guy that bought the antlers from you is valuing those that bone? Well, I mean, it's just whenever McKaylee, my girlfriend, wants to wants to have some deer loins. If you're, if you're open, to when you send Steve his little bitty chunk, if you want to send me like I'd a love roast, he said I would it was a little, little damn party. It was a little like, chunk. Listen, listen oh, folks, man. I would love to taste it. Yeah, I'd be down to every potluck in the world because it'd be a great way to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know that uh, meatball you're eating. How do you think about that? Well, yeah, you know, it's might, a world record meatball. There, you might yeah. be interested in the fact that that's a world record. <laughs> yep. That'd be pretty cool to you know share that with some friends. And uh, have a little party. We had eating a, fr- a world record buck. We had a friendsgiving, uh, November thirtieth, after I killed the deer, and uh, ended up taking taking it over there and frying it up, having a poker, <laughs> having a poker. And I, I was like, "You boys better get your Snapchat saying that you you're eating yeah. a world class whitetail here." Yeah, yeah. So National record. The one thing we talked about, Dustin, was that uh, like this is going to happen regardless of what your next steps are. That folks are going to call you out as like. You poached it. This was a high fence deer, yep. whatever. And I imagine that happened either way. But I was like, you should really get a game warden over there yeah. to just like take a picture of you and the buck together and, and the game warden standing there. And that'll like shut some of this down. Go right see the away. gut pile, whatever. Yeah. So, like, and that's what I did. I called DNR and I, I talked to the lady and she was just like, like the dispatcher or whatever. And she was just like, I said, I killed the like possibly state record in Indiana. And she was just like, had no idea what I was talking about. I'm mm. like, who do I need to talk She's to? Like, like you I pervert. need. Yeah, and I'm just like, who? How do, I need to get somebody out here to check this deer out. So like, but anyways, like nobody ever came. So then like three or four days, five days later, I'm getting calls from DNR. Well, I'm back in Nashville. What are they calling you about? Wondering like where I killed this deer. Well, like they were now they're following uh. up. They're starting. They're starting to get calls from people all over the place. Really? Yeah. Oh, he posted. He he blah blah. He shot it with a rifle. Blah 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 blah. Because so of why? Just people talking. It's unreal, man. Doesn't matter what the story is. Like just, yeah, they just, they just, because it's impossible. Ha- it, haters going to hate. It's really it's impossible. impossible. That's not it's what impossible. Pat Durkin says. To 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 a which to me it was impossible too, but it happened, and it's just like you know what Pat Durkin says. Uh-uh. Big bucks make people stupid. Yep, <laughs> that's true. Oh, he doesn't say haters going to hate. <laughs> haters. Gonna hate. I would love to hear I think him you're say confusing, that. <laughs> I think you're confusing Pat Durkin with a young lady who uh, sings <laughs> pop music. Yeah. Go on. So I'm I'm down in Nashville, you know, writing songs that week, and uh, get a call. Hey, when can you be? You know, when you, can you be back up here to show us where you killed this deer? I said, Well, I'm not going to be home for another two, three days or so. Um, so they went out there. I told them, gave them the property owner's number, and went out there, found my gut pile, found my tree. They were texting me. I had the DNR number, and he said, uh, Is it was it this tree? Two limbs cut off about 20 foot up. I said, that's it. <laughs> I said, gut pile should be about, you know, 60 yards in that holler. And they found it. What was left of it, you know, there was coyotes had got to it, but uh, what was left of the gut pile. And there was an, a week or two that went by, you know, I thought everything was squashed. Like, okay, cool. They're still getting more phone calls. Well, they wanted to come have another sit down. So I said, well, come over to the house and sit down on the couch. I'll make some coffee. I'll tell you about the whole hunt if you want to, you know, hear about it. So they So they're just getting calls from people who are like it has over, to be foul illegal play. Yeah, that's what they were saying. They're like, we just keep getting calls, like, man, and we just wanna I said, Well, I I said, here's the antlers. I showed them the antlers and I told them everything. You they know? asked and to it, see the air, the arrow or anything like that. No. 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 Did they talk they, to the landowner? Yeah, talk to the landowner. Uh 
Yeah, and it was just like it, the thing about it was is people think that I live in Nashville. So it was a residency oh. thing. But I, I'm an Indiana resident. I just travel for work, you know, to write songs yeah, down yeah. and record songs. So, like, there was this huge thing of, like, I said, well, you can look at my bank statements. I said, I've been living here. I said, I moved away at 19, but I moved back. And now I just travel back and forth. I said, but the past five, six years I've been, you know, yeah. here, you know. So, yeah, it's but we finally squashed it. We all took pictures together. And so, yeah. So here's what I wonder about situations like yours and other people that have gone through this. You shoot this this world-class deer. You never really – this was never something you were trying to do, right? Yeah. You, you just want to be a deer hunter. But yeah. now you, you stumble into this world-class deer. Now you're dealing with DNR. You're dealing with allegations of poaching. You're dealing with the business side. All of a sudden, people are offering you money for the deer. People are inviting you to shows, and now you're traveling all over the country, and you're talking to a 1,000 people, and everyone wants a piece of you. You glad it happened? Like, are you okay with this? Do you like this? Or has it been like, yeah, got more than I bargained for? I've prayed for a long time uh, for music to, you know, I just needed a break. You know, I had $300 in my bank account when I shot this thing. So it has completely changed my life in a the best way ever it's, it's crazy nice <laughs> yep that's awesome uh remember how i told you what i was gonna ask you about do you like it's all downhill from here yeah i mean i'm buck hunting <laughs> yeah. so now have you redefined a shooter buck i'm going back to 134 15 inches 134 if i can beat my 134 and just work <laughs> it's my like this way, buck never happened <laughs> yeah it's just like and if i can maybe get lucky enough to work my way up to 140 150 160 one okay, you know, so you're just going back to just, where you were on november yeah, 3rd yeah i'm not even gonna that's just most hit the just, reset button yeah it's just the reset i'm and my thing is like it's awesome but it's like i i have i get just the joy out of shooting a doe you know or a, i just love deer hunting i love eating deer <laughs> so oh, that's great man yep um, your girlfriend stayed with you through this whole thing. Yep, yep, okay. she's so with the, me. The, 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 you know, the fame, antler chasers that the, are the like, fame. <laughs> yeah. No. Do you get do you get approached by women who want just want to be closer? Like how if you're like uh, in prison, women want to write you letters just because you're in jail. No, 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 no antler chasers. <laughs> Thank hey, God. <laughs> you kind of answered my question, but I'm gonna ask it anyways in case you want to like just add to it because you said you had 300 bucks in your bank account. Yeah, which would mean that make the decision to sell pretty easy. easy. Yeah, but it's still the you know, USA world record. Yeah. So was it easy? That was, uh, it took me two months after talking with Spencer and really trying to figure out like what my best option was, you know, and I'm getting, I had two offers and uh, me and him were talking about Bass Pro and like I was waiting for them, but they never called. I had contacted them and I was just trying to figure out if there was more people would be interested, but I only had two. Well, then the one guy, he made a real good offer and was like, come see me. And, uh, I was over there for like eight or nine hours just bullshitting and, you know, just I was picking guitar. We were just, you know, and then he was— He's a guitar player. He had like three or four guitars. Of, huh, not only not only monster whitetails. I mean, he had guitars, guns, everything over there. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> so it was, was awesome. Was Ted Nugent. <laughs> Ted Nugent. <laughs> was it Ted Nugent? No. Hmm. <laughs> What I like about uh, you calling him Moose right yeah. afterwards was when the hole in the horn buck was killed, like back in 1940, he was killed by a train. And some railroad workers had found the deer, 
who had no like familiarity with hunting or really wildlife in general. And they actually argued about whether it was a moose or a whitetail no at the time. That's, that's no way. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like that was my first thought. Whenever I first saw him, he put his head up. I just go moose. Holy shit. Moose. This is a moose. <laughs> like what is a moose doing in Decatur County, Indiana? <laughs> you know, I was just like, what the hell? This is a hog farm. You know what? <laughs> what the hell, man? So, yeah. Are you ready to play a song for us? Yeah, I might have to tune it back up, though. It's probably got out of tune so Whose far. Whose guitar is that? Hayden's. Yeah, Hayden's. You don't travel with a guitar? Follows you, dude, I'd have a guitar over one shoulder and that deer rack over the <laughs> well, other shoulder. Here's why. Went, here's why. Luke gave me that guitar. Which guitar? The one I got. It's a Taylor. He gave, it was his first show guitar, and I've had it for about five, six years now. You don't like travel with it? I don't, no, it's, I'm putting it up it in up. a, it's going in a glass case on the wall. Yeah, I don't want. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of thinking, I would like to get a copy of the uh, replica of that deer head, deer okay. antler. Should when we... they make those, what is it? Just on a skull cap, like a fake skull cap? Yeah, it's just skull cap, and then so that's just what the yeah. antlers cost, and then whatever the taxidermy and stuff is. If you folks, keep, did you keep the real cape, or you lost the real cape? I got the real cape. That oh. was in the deal. Oh. I said I want to have the real cape, so got to keep it. Who are you going to have stuff the deer? Uh, I had. Uh, it's already done. Yeah, Charlie Watts in North Vernon, Indiana. Oh, you should have had John Hayes do it. <laughs> well, he, this guy was 30 minutes down the road. This guy's 30 hours down the road. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. If folks want to see the buck, I imagine you're going to be traveling with this thing at some trade shows coming up this year. Do you know like what stops you're going to be making? Yeah, so uh, we're in... I'm actually doing Smoky Mountain Knife Works. Got a show there on July 9th from 11 to 4, uh, playing for like 45 minutes, then just showing the deer off. Oh, um, bringing your two passions together. So that's what we're doing. That's when I was talking like deer hunting into a deer business. It's just crazy that it goes hand in hand. Country music and deer hunting. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to start doing is, you know, bring guitar, play 45 minutes, show the deer off and tell the story. Dude, but that's great. July 9th, um, August 20th, we're in, uh, where's that at? Kansas City. And then I'm in Bloomington, Illinois on the 27th of August. And then we're working on September, October, November shows. Man. Then you get back in the tree stand. Oh, that's what I told him. I said, <laughs> I, I said, I got to at least have some time for my 2022 buck because, you know. That's right. From the 25th yeah. to the and 8th. I, and I only killed two deer last year. Usually I kill three or four a year, so I'm running low on meat. <laughs> Man, you, you <laughs> no, I'm saving the, I'm saving moose. So oh, I'm putting him in the back. I'd always have a little bit, man. I'd always have a little bit. The next day, um, before you and I talked, Luke combs was making the introduction and one of the things he said was that uh he's like this is gonna change his life and it couldn't have happened to a better dude and he was oh. right like that that was so damn cool to hear that story and, yeah uh, how you're not me or mark kenyon killing that buck yeah man i just it's crazy and he knew that it was gonna help me like that's why he called you know texted you and you know we've been friends for a long time and um just i've been praying for something in music to what in the heck you know like and sure enough a deer walks through and i shoot it at 40 yards and now I can do the deer and the music, you know, hand in hand. It's just, it's great, man. It's 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 God, man. It's just how it is. Amen to that. Yep. Play us a song. You can, can do I, a love song. Can I tune it first? Oh yeah, of course. Cool. <laughs> Are we doing one song? One song. Yeah. We got, one song? We got to do our trip. You staying for our trivia show? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just play that fishing song. Okay. That's fine. That's great. Yeah. Just it goes good with the. Meat eater, you know. 
I should be fishing Somewhere on a boat floating suntan cold can chilling Reeling in a five pound largemouth good time grinning Yeah, I should be fishing Hell, I should be in a deer stand Sipping coffee from a cup Watching the woods wake up Spitting red man Waiting on a big buck to slip up 30-30 in my hands I should be in a deer stand A hundred mile away From a severed day rat race Hate this backed up traffic Far from these skyline night lights Concrete high rise makes it hard to find them stars Catch a sunset, wish I was down a back road Back home, sitting on the best damn honey hole I know Shouldn't be caught up in this fast life City living, man I should be fishing Yeah I should be way out there Without a worry or care in the world Instead of staying still stuck here With some dude in a suit honking in my rear view I could use a counting line beer Gotta get out of here A hundred mile away from a severed day rat race Hate this backed up traffic Far from these skyline night lights Concrete high rise makes it hard to find them stars Catch a sunset, wish I was down a back road Back home, sitting on the best damn honey hole I know Shouldn't be caught up in this fast life City living, man I should be fishing Man I should be fishing I should be taking it slow, taking it in with a west wind blowing just right. A hundred mile away from a severed day rat race, hate this backed up traffic. Far from these skyline night lights, concrete high rise makes it hard to find them stars. Catch a sunset, wish I was down a back road, back home. Sitting on the best damn honey hole I know Shouldn't be caught up in this fast life City living Man, I should be fishing Man, I should be fishing Song of regret I wrote that song about living in Nashville, Tennessee. Then you moved back. Then I moved back. And then I wrote a song about it. <laughs> Have you gone fishing more? Yes. Good. Oh, yeah. We're going to prioritize fishing a lot more these days. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Cool. I appreciate y'all having me. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Dustin sticking around for trivia, which we have two big announcements coming up on. Yep. So please tune in to Wednesday's episode of Trivia with Dustin. Wednesday, Dustin Huff, owner of the Huff, former owner of the Huff, shooter of the Huff. <laughs> <laughs> shooter of the former, Huff. <laughs> yep. The hunter that killed the Huffbug. Dustin Huff. Trivia. Cool, coming man. Up. Thanks, everybody. Hell yeah. I appreciate that, guys.
Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater. Get yourself some free shipping.